Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello everybody, it's a Wednesday, June 26th, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Hello. Mr. Bob Ryer. Hey there. And Miss Stephanie Cook. Hello. So guys, did we record a podcast last week? I'm not <laughs> no. even really sure. If we did, I don't remember what it was about. No. I don't remember. Out of my head entirely. I don't remember at all. I've just been nursing my bruises. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, guys, obviously we, the podcast that shall not be named, we recorded last week, uh, where we talked about a certain movie. Uh, this week though, we, we talked a lot about last week, about stuff we didn't like. This week, uh, we put out the call. I, I said, listen, we want the most optimistic topic you could possibly give. Uh, and we got a deluge of, of responses, which was awesome. Uh, and the one we picked is we're going to talk about the things we're optimistic about, the things that we love about the comic world right now. So that's what we're going to do is for a topic. We also have a ton of listener questions we're going to get to. Um, you guys wrote a lot of stuff, some stuff that couldn't fill a whole show, but stuff that was awesome just for us to talk about in little short snippets, and we'll definitely get to a bunch of that hmm. stuff. Um, I didn't do enough studying, obviously. Well, don't be studying stuff. I wanted to do my heart. Yeah, okay. the, we, we, uh, I will say... Uh, thank you for everybody who, who wrote in, who commented. There was an amazing reaction, uh, overwhelming response. I've never seen for us this much response to something we've talked about. And I want to thank the people who listen to the show and go to the website for caring enough and taking time out yeah. of their lives to, to, to write to us. So lots, th- of, uh, lots of new faces, too. Yeah, a lot of new faces. Uh, so thank you guys so much uh, for that. Um, and thank you guys, too, for commenting on the videos we've, we've been putting up. Uh, it's something we're trying out. Uh, it seemed like it was pretty successful the, the first time around. Ponies. You guys can definitely <laughs> definitely expect more of those in the future. Um, before we get to our news and our books of the week, obviously, uh, really really quick, uh, we had a we had multiple people want me, Steve, and Stephanie to talk about The Last of Us, which is a video game that came out uh, last week. And uh, we have all at least played a portion of it. Stephanie, I believe, has has beaten it. Oh yeah, correct. I, <laughs> I totally like. I only put like three hours into it, and then I was like, "All right, let's do this." <laughs> and I sat down on the weekend, and I just like, all of a sudden, it was three a.m. Yeah, you had one of those Ooh. lost days. Yep. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So we can't. We're not. We're not going to do a spoiler cast or anything like that. At least not yet, because Steve and I haven't finished it. Uh, my general impressions, though, of the three or so hours I've played is that it is uh, uh, fantastic. Uh, the atmosphere is amazing. We, it, you, you've probably heard about the opening scene. We're not going to spoil it, but it is it one of the most... The feels. It's one of the most emotionally <laughs> affecting scenes I've ever seen in a video game. Uh, oh. it, it, and the thing I'll say about it, too, it's one of those games that you look at it and you think, 
why do I need a game to look better than the game I'm playing right now? You know, I, I'm sure that there'll be advances as we get farther into the life cycle of these new consoles that'll happen, but a game like mm-hmm. The Last of Us makes me go, if they can do this on this thing, and I know they're wringing every last little bit of power out of the machine, but it look, there's times when I'm watching it, and this is to do with the storytelling as well, right. times I'm playing it, I forget that I'm playing a video game. I, mm-hmm. I'm looking at wow. these people, and I'm just so engrossed in the things that they're saying and the things they're doing. Um, amazing eye animation. There, there's really Ooh. life in yeah, the eyes. Yeah, I was going to talk about that for a second. Yeah, actually. absolutely. Yeah, they just—it's such an incredible game. Yeah. It's. Ugh. Yeah. I, I don't even know where to start. Like, obviously, you guys are still playing it, so I won't mm. say anything spoilery. But like, if you're playing through it and you haven't beat it yet, you get so emotionally invested in the characters. And it's been a really long time since I've had a game like this. I know a lot of people say The Walking Dead was a game like that. And I procrastinated on playing it because it was just very hit this button, move forward. And I need to beat it. But this was more interactive, but the same sort of um, emotional connection, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I, again, I won't say anything, but there's like decisions that get made and you're just like, oh, what, what, no, what's <laughs> happening? And like... I, Seriously, I can count, like, the amount of movies and TV shows that have made me cry on, like, one hand. Like, six feet under the finale. Oh, God, don't. Don't even start. (laughs) This game is just so... I mean, you're so invested because you're playing these characters. Keep a box of Kleenex nearby, guys. That's all I'm saying. saying. Uh, Steve, you were going to say about the eye animation. Yeah, well, um... (laughs) Yeah, Steph, just, you know railroad me but whatever (laughs) uh i used to actually help to make video games for about two years i worked for acclaim entertainment doing beta testing and when i was on my lunch hour i used to hang out with a lot of the programmers a lot of you know people in the industry working upstairs and whatnot and even though we did not make wonderful games, with the exception of Mary Kate Nashley's Sweet Sixteen License to Drive, look at the credits. You made my that name one? Is there. Yep. <laughs> wow. That was my Chaos favorite for life. Anyway, um, there are games. There's a game uh, that came out a couple years ago called Heavy Rain mm-hmm. uh, for the PlayStation. It, it came out when um, the, it was like Move compatible. Yeah. They're doing and, Beyond Two Souls. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And when that came out, that was pretty much like that was a that was a, a hallmark game for the system. It really displayed uh, in terms of storytelling and in, sto- in terms of graphics and what you can do in a very cinematic uh, nature of a video game, playing interactive movies, whatever. The the amount of detail and the the leaps and bounds of technology and what we're like harnessing the system's power and extracting like you said bobby every last Mm. every last bit that the system is capable of doing we've reached that point Mm. with these systems now uh the last of us there were times when i was watching some of the the full motion video and it doesn't even it transfers right over into the gameplay as well but there were times where i could not i couldn't tell the difference yeah like the the way that the the facial muscles move the uh, the creases of the eyes mm-hmm. the the lips just the the exasperation the fear that's going on in these mm-hmm. faces it is truly truly incredible I um I'm about four or five hours into the game and it just keeps on getting better it keeps on getting more compelling I haven't run into any problems with the AI just yet sometimes they get in my way mm-hmm. but they they are pain sometimes right. <laughs> 
I haven't reached a point in the game where they've been too much of a nuisance. I could see it being a possibility, but overall, that's not. I've had, not, yeah, I've had a couple glitches. Yeah, like, I mean, but that's not gonna that's not gonna sway my opinion. No. That happens with a lot of video games. Yeah, something that's yeah. almost they unavoidable. Have, mm-hmm. They have this one thing like you can't jump and stuff. Like you have to. It, there's a couple things where it's like, look that, mm-hmm. but if you don't look, right? Because like there's one prompt, and if you don't do it, right. like the character won't. The, the prompt to do the thing that you need to do won't happen. Right. There are and a couple I've had that of, happen a few times. Yeah, there are a couple of things you'll run into that if you don't react oh. immediately, you'll have to set yourself back. But to be fair, they never put you back so far that you can't no, it's approach like constantly it no. saving. It's like yeah. that which I think is great. And it's invisible that it's saving, which I like. Right. Uh Bobby, you wanted to chime in on yes, our video actually, game conversation. Actually, yes. But it's what Steve's talking about with the sort of micro animation of yeah. eyes and faces. John Cleese of Monty Python and mm. his psychologist did a series for the BBC called The Human Face. Mm. And they talked about how, you know, people crossing the street don't get road rage the way people in cars do because they can look at another face and see the little cues from someone else, the little minor movements of facial muscles. And it's why animation doesn't work. People look at an animated face, Mm. even the best CGI, and go, that's not right. Yeah, And it's not even something obvious but mm-hmm. it's something little so you're saying they've now conquered this next oh yeah, absolutely level up. i mean yeah. the the first 20 minutes of this game is some of the best 20 minutes that i mean i bioshock infinite for the year was enough for me to to give like the crown mm-hmm. and, and say and i still say that i haven't finished the last of us yet but there are a lot of contenders for not so much best video game of the year, but most significant video game mm-hmm. of the year as in, in terms of storytelling. Yeah. Actually. Um, what's up? Oh, I was just going to... I wanted to add on to that, but I'll carry on. I just... Yeah, I mean, yeah. Just, to, just to wrap up for me, I, I'm very proud of the industry regardless of the next generation systems and all mm-hmm. the hoo-ha that surrounds them and what they're doing in the market I'm saying forget about that for a minute and just appreciate the level of story, the level of character depth, and the level of immersion that we're getting from these video games these days that they're not, I wouldn't use the term realistic, they're not so realistic, but they're so engaging and they so put you in the shoes and in the circumstances of these characters that it's truly something to appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Stephanie, you want to... Yeah, I was actually thinking about maybe putting up, like you did for Man of Steel, the discussion, just a Mm. Last of Us for people who have played through it, because I really want to hear some people's thoughts on the, you know, the ending and the gameplay itself. And anyone, and again, not spoiling anything, I promise, but there's one scene, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when you get there, (laughs) but it scared the ever-living shit out of me. Like... (laughs) I have not played a game that had this level of suspense. And, you know, a lot of games, horror games specifically, have music that kind of builds you up like a horror film. Yeah, absolutely. I think I know what you're talking about. I don't know if whether the music... There's no music, really, Mm -hmm. Really? throughout the game. There's not a lot, But, like, I can't tell if it's creepier that way or, like... But Mm -hmm. this one particular scene is just, oh, my God, I was live tweeting the whole thing without spoilers but just like oh my god what is happening (laughs) and it is terrifying i once threw a controller when i was playing fatal frame this ghost popped out at me Mm -hmm. and like threw the controller and like 
whacked my best friend in the face with it. <laughs> she was like, you are not allowed to play scary games anymore. I played, so. uh, but there was a moment, in, I won't go on, but there was a moment in Bioshock Infinite that I felt the same way. I won't spoil it. There was one part in that game my heart was in my throat. I was with a friend of mine. We both jumped <laughs> immediately at the same time. I had to walk away and go downstairs mm-hmm. for a good like five to ten minutes just to catch it, my breath. Yeah. People always ask how I was able to even play Bioshock, but like the first and second one, you know how the dead bodies will sometimes pop up. They're not actually dead. Mm-hmm. After a while, I just stopped letting that shit scare me. Aww. I just started shooting the bodies from far away. <laughs> and you know, Nine out of ten times, they're dead, and I feel really stupid. But for that one time when they don't scare me because I've shot them from really far away, I feel so justified. All right. (laughs) So, yeah, the little mini review of Last of Us is awesome, and we'll definitely, you know, we'll, we'll, if we can, if we have time, if we've all beaten it, we'll do a little, we'll do a little talk about it. I think Fatal Frame, by the way. Oh, Fatal Frame. I love Fatal Frame. Yeah, Stephanie, post up a discussion. Absolutely. That'd be great. Bobby, you're Fatal fatal Frame is like a bowling and fruit ninja combined. (laughs) I mean, that's what it should be. No, no, no. The camera is talking about. Oh, that kind of frame. The Fatal Frame, the first two. It's like are phenomenal yeah you don't have any yeah. weapons you don't you, you, yeah whoa yeah, you have no a camera weapons. you have a camera that's all you yeah. have you're fighting ghosts with a camera so like you're looking at them like super up close and mm-hmm. oh my god it's seriously terrifying for yeah someone. it's really well, creepy yeah hmm. they started coming out back when you know survival horror was very much in vogue and mm-hmm. they were still making a particular kind of horror game which <laughs> now they've kind of moved into a more action-oriented game um, but the game was actually um, a lot of the game was mapped uh, from like Japanese uh, ghost tales and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, so there's okay. a lot of things it's that a cool ring game. true. Yeah, it's very. I cool. don't wanna... What's up? Oh, sorry. Finish what you're saying. I'm no, just, I was just trying saying, to find one thing. Like back in the day when they were released, when they mm. came out, um, I mean, they were stacked right up against Resident Evil mm. when Resident Evil was what it was. Yeah. It's no longer that anymore. But. Yeah. Um, just me personally, Fatal Frame has always, always been uh, one of the standout horror uh, series of mm, the I've never heard genre. of it. That's yeah, why. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. great. It's, it's, it, it wasn't as big as those other games. Like It wasn't as big as Resident Evil or Silent Hill, but it was in that kind of next echelon of, in popularity anyway. And just super quickly, I don't want to keep talking about video games, but just in the horror genre, I was talking about, again, The Last of Us and that one particularly, like, holy shit part. Mm. And uh, one of my Twitter friends, Kaylin, uh, Gunther, he sent me a link and said, oh, so you're not going to be playing this game. And it's called mm. Among the Sleep. It was funded through uh, Kickstarter by a studio called Krillbite Studio. And it's a horror game, but from the perspective of a two-year-old. Oh, my God. Oh. So you're Ooh. crawling around and, like, oh my God. you know, like you're a baby. But I Whoa. watched the trailer for this, and I was like, oh, hell no, I'm not playing this. Like, <laughs> I want to play that. awesome, but, like, uh-uh. Yeah. Uh. Uh-uh. What does the baby do to fend off the zombies? Well, the Poop best, on them. No, I mean, the best is- kind of horror, the really scary horror games like Fatal Frame is there's nothing you can do. It's all about surviving. It's not about yeah. Oh, okay. de- de- yeah, defeating enemies. That's that's and that's one of the things about the Last of Us. You can definitely defend yourself, but there's definitely a big element of just trying to survive. Can I an encounter? Or a can room. I tell you? I think I've I've loosed maybe about five bullets the entire game. Mm. I am a oh, ninja. I'm yeah. a ninja. Yeah. I, right. I break necks. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So that's enough of uh, video game talk for right now. Steve is a ninja. We've covered yeah. this. Um, let's move on to a little bit of news. Uh, first of all, really quick, uh, we mentioned there was a rumor on, on Bleeding Cool about who was taking over Action Comics, and that rumor ended up being true. Greg Pak and Aaron Cooter are taking over uh, Action Comics in November. Um, Greg Pak obviously is running Batman Superman, wrote the Hulk for many, many mm-hmm. years. Um, 
we talked about kind of our opinions about them taking over. So it, it's it could be a really good a good thing for for the character with Greg Pak taking over that character. Um, uh, big news: uh, Boom Studios uh, acquired Arkea uh, this week. I mean, acquire like they absorb. They them? own them yeah. now. Oh wow! They bought them. Uh, Crazy. Boom Studios has acquired... This is coming from CBR, by the way. Uh, Boom Studios has acquired Arkea Entertainment. Boom confirmed that Arkea's library of titles will be added to the publishers and maintained as a distinct imprint with the plans to reprint key items from the Arkea catalog. Uh, and Arkea said, We are thrilled and excited to join with Boom. Um, Boom is a very committed to maintaining the brand we've worked so hard to build and preserving our relationship with our creator, fans, and retailers. They're fans of Arkea first and foremost and are avidly working behind the scenes to expand our market penetration and carry our catalog deeper into retail channels. Arkea readers can expect the same editorial approach that has garnered industry-wide awards, but we have a much stronger platform to deliver our content in all forms and channels. I am personally looking forward to bringing our team together with a fantastic team Ross Ritchie has built. And that was from uh, Arkea President and Chief Operating Officer Jack Cummins. So, That's awesome. So what do you think of this, Steve? Uh, that's super exciting. This yeah. is the first I'm hearing about it. Um, I actually have a friend that works for Arkea. Mm. So uh, I actually spent a great deal hanging out with them at their booth at last year's New York Comic Con. Uh, super, super nice, incredible people. Very much uh, comic book people and very much about the fans. Uh, and they, they, they print a lot of uh, properties that you won't find anywhere else. Some really interesting stories. As far as them being absorbed into Boom, um, that's great. I mean, the, the more the merrier. Both uh, companies have, have their merits and they have their properties that if they can merge them and perhaps like be in the news a little bit and reprint some of these great stories that don't necessarily get so much press. Like the thing about Arkea is you don't, hear about them that often their release schedule is very um sporadic mm -hmm. and when they do release something it's always of very very high quality it's always some hardcover book with you know really really nice pages sometimes there's ribbons in so you can mark your place uh if they combine forces and they start to come out with this fantastic presentation and maybe be in the market a little bit more that mm -hmm. on like a weekly or bi-weekly basis instead of always having to pre-order one of their big chunky books from mm. previews um it'll turn more people onto their properties because they've got some really great stuff mm -hmm. so i think this is mm -hmm. awesome absolutely you know, they have a very artistic very esoteric product mm -hmm. and that's great and as long as they can keep that image yeah. together you know no pun intended there <laughs> but then move through some of the larger outlets they get into a barnes and noble and have it be something people will see on a, on a regular basis. Because as you're saying, Steve, unless you pre-order this stuff, in a lot of stories you don't see it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's because, I mean, this is an interview that the president did with, with uh, CBR, and he said, there's no question, this is back in October, so there's no question that the company was in a really tough spot for about six months. Last year, we changed our book market distribution from Diamond to PGW. PGW is a great company, and they're known for working in the book market worldwide. They're a large company. And we got into a relationship with both of us and PGW expecting great things of it. But unfortunately, for a variety of reasons, that relationship did not work out. Um, he said it really ended up affecting our business. And in June, we ended up having some discussions with PGW about whether it would be good for both of us to move on. So mm. um, that could be a really reason why you don't get a lot of that stuff. Uh, and Boom, sure. is, Boom has been doing really great things in, in the last year, uh, both in, in their, uh, their licensed work and in their original stuff. So, I mean, Stephanie, what do you think about this? 
I mean, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of both companies and, you know, they've got, I mean, they've got a ton of great titles separately and I can't see why a partnership together wouldn't be a great move for both of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, according to what's going, uh, this is, uh, I can't find the quote right now, now, but I was reading another story about this and apparently with this acquisition, uh, it makes boom in, as far as, you know, you know, uh, units and the breadth of their IP, this really the second biggest uh, publisher as far as volume goes behind Marvel, the third biggest between behind Marvel and DC. Wow. Um, and I think, so I, I can't find the exact, quote. I don't know where I, w- I was reading it yesterday when I was researching. That's a win-win this, so. win right there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, you know, it puts them over the top in, in that form. So if it gets these really cool books into more stores, like, and like you guys are saying, you know, you know our local store at Tor. They're really good at getting stuff that's not so mainstream. They usually get a couple of stuff, but with the Archaea stuff, because it's so expensive, mm-hmm. you know, compared to getting regular single issues, um, and so kind of boutique in what, in what they do without proper, uh, you know, press and stuff behind them, that you don't get a lot of them. And it would be cool to see a couple of them in every store. Right. So you have a chance to pick them up. Um, I also want to put it out there to people: if uh, if you're attending San Diego Comic Con or New York Comic Con, be on the lookout for their booth. You can't miss it. Mm-hmm. Um, assuming that they're not merged by them, maybe they'll have one giant booth, right? Um, because of the merger. But uh, Arkea is known. At least last year they did this. They have incredible, incredible sales on all of their books during the cons. So that if you go to them and you purchase two books, you'll probably get one for free. If you purchase four books, you'll get two for free. They, I, I walked away with, I think, nine or ten hardcover books from mm-hmm. Arkea um, and ended up paying like what would amount to couch change right. for them <laughs> just because they were, they were so pleasant and so eager to get the, the creators and the material out there that if you're kind of like a, a thrifty comic book shopper, but you want to get the most for your dollar, definitely check out their booths at the cons. They are very generous and are very willing to talk to you and inform you about the product that you're buying before you buy it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on to sort of more of the the, the movie side of things. Um, as a big story came out this week uh, because uh, Jim Carrey, who's starring in Kick-Ass 2, uh, Took to Twitter and said this: "I did a kick. I did kick ass a month before Sandy Hook, and now, in all good conscience, I cannot support the level of violence. My apologies to uh, others involved with the film. I'm not ashamed of it, but recent events have caused a change of heart." Um, and Mark Millar responded to this, saying, "As you may know, Jim is a passionate advocate of gun control, and I respect both his politics and his opinion. But I'm baffled by this sudden announcement." as nothing seen in this picture wasn't in the screenplay 18 months ago. Yes, the body count is very high, but a movie called Kick-Ass 2 really has to do it what it says on the tin. Um, he goes on to say, I think this is a, this is a, a very interesting thing that he says. Um, so he says, like Jim, I'm horrified by real-life violence, even though I'm Scottish, but Kick-Ass 2 <laughs> isn't a documentary. No actors were harmed in the making of the production. This is fiction. And he goes on to list directors, and like Tarantino, Peck and Paw, Scorsese, Eastwood, Borman, Oliver Stone, Chenwick Park, Kickass avoids the usual bloodless body count of most big summer pictures and focuses instead on the consequences of violence. Whether it's ramifications of friends and family, or as we saw in the first movie, Kickass spending six months in a hospital after his first street altercation. 
He said, ultimately, this is his decision, but I've never quite bought the notion that violence in fiction leads to violence in real life any more than Harry Potter casting a spell creates more boy wizards in real life. Um, so very arch. Yeah, it's very arch. Which you don't, would you expect from someone like Mark yeah. Millar? Uh, Stephanie, uh, what do you think of the situation? Um, I mean, I'm pretty like anti-gun stuff too, and all that. But I mean, Jim Carrey's allowed his opinion. Mark's allowed his opinion, and I feel like people should just kind of leave it at that. You can chime in, but the end of the day he did the movie he's an actor he gets paid to do these roles mm-hmm. and you know to be fair jim carrey hasn't been in a lot lately he kind of needs a win and while he might be great in it that doesn't mean that he has to like you know he doesn't have to condone it do you think half the actors in the industry condone the roles they do think of all the people in yui bull movies <laughs> like wow. how does jason stay sleep at night <laughs> Uh, and it's like it's just one of those things where sometimes I mean I'm sure Jim Carrey knew what he was getting into an, to an extent and then you know change of heart things happen mm-hmm. and he's again allowed his opinion and if that's how he feels about the film he doesn't have to watch the final thing mm-hmm. well it's so, not that he's going to watch it he's, he doesn't want to do press for it yes I, I know what you mean Yeah, I, that's I mean, the thing about it uh, still under contract He's still signed up to do it. And I believe that he needs to kind of leave those politics behind to do his work on the film Mm -hmm. because, you know, that's his job. And if we all told our bosses essentially to fuck off and we don't like what you're doing, we'd be out of jobs. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely true. Um, Steve, what do you think? Uh, I was, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit weirded out by the whole thing. I was very, at first I was very much reminded of uh, Isaac Hayes when he was doing South Park and then he came out against South Park because of the Scientology Mm -hmm. episode and it kind of seemed like you've been doing this show for how many years and you've covered a a plethora of hot button topics and then as soon as they hit something a little bit too close to home for you you signed off and then you were done. Uh, So I kind of had flashbacks to that but after giving it some thought, and I can't remember what the article was, my friend Nikki had actually posted an article that was kind of defending uh, Jim Carrey's stance on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I can't remember specifics. I don't want to speak out of out of turn. But uh, it kind of abated my whatever thoughts I had about it. And in all honesty, it's not going to affect me either way. I, I've seen the trailers for mm-hmm. the for the film. Uh, it looks fun. Mm-hmm. He looks like he, he does you know, his Jim Carrey bit. But I will say this, to his credit, it looks like he's finally playing a character and he's actually doing something mm. outside of his normal, like what we've come to know him as mm. with the whole Ace Ventura face contortionist kind mm. of vibe mm. uh, to Fair, him. Eternal Sunshine. Oh, that movie's awesome. Yeah. I yeah, love that no. movie. Yeah. Uh, but I gotta up. see that one of these days. Yeah, oh, you so should. good. You would love that movie, Bob. Uh, I know, I know. you know, some people don't like him. I know Bob doesn't care for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I've enjoyed him in several movies. I loved him on uh, In Living Color back in the day when mm-hmm. I didn't know what comedy was. Right. And um, I don't know. I He's, he's in, like, just like Steph said, he's entitled to his opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to color my opinion of the movie one way or another, whether he wants to be against it or not. And honestly, it's his decision. People change every day. And something could have occurred in his own life, or in this case, something did, Mm -hmm. that made him feel differently about his work. 
And it's his work, so he's mm-hmm. entitled to say what he wants about it. Right. Bob? Well, I agree with both you guys. It is his opinion. Uh, it is odd that if he did hold that opinion so strongly that he would sign up to do a movie knowing what Kick-Ass was. Right, but the, the, again, the point of this is not the... It's the event that happened and after afterwards. he filmed it. Yes. Now, what then comes for that, though, I, I appreciate his honesty and mm-hmm. then backing away. It is going to be tr- tough with a contract that says he has to do press. Right, we'll have yeah, to negotiate that. What I will say to make a sort of political statement, would that there were people on the other side of this debate who found themselves changed mm-hmm. by the slaughter of all those kids yeah, and yeah. maybe something positive came of this because in this mm. country, basically nothing happened. Yeah, yeah. There was some posturing and some chatting mm. and then nothing happened at all. So right. maybe this will spark some more debate. Yeah. Let's hope. I mean, I feel the same way you guys do. I mean, you know, the, the initial reaction for me is, I think I first think when I see stuff like this, whenever it happens, especially before the movie comes out, after the movie comes out, I think it's kind of fair game once you, you, the, your kind of due diligence and responsibility to your product is done. I think you can say whatever you want. But, you know, I, I think, you know, why come out and say this publicly now? If you, you don't deal with it behind the scenes, figure it out, and then afterwards you can talk about mm-hmm. it. But don't, I feel like you're kind of undercutting the movie when you do something like this. But, in the other hand, He's also, they're also bringing a bunch of publicity to the movie that might never have come, you know, uh, otherwise. And they always said there's no such thing as bad publicity. And I think yep. what Jim said is, is not out of line. And I think the way Mark Millar responded was not out of line. Mark Millar was very arch in his response, but it was a really clever, well-written thing that wasn't mean to Jim Carrey. No. It was just like, I don't understand why he's doing this now. Um, you know, I think he's saying something important. Absolutely. Is this the place to take the stand, you know, on a thing, something that you've already done? Probably not. Uh, but I, I think that people are very quick to want to paint a narrative and to take sides, and I don't really think there's sides here. You know, I think there's obviously very a legal side to it, with, like Stephanie said, with the contract that he signed, and when you brought that up too, Bob. But uh, you know, I think it's refreshing at least to hear people saying, talking real, because there's nothing about this that gets Jim Carrey anything good. You know, he, this, no. is, he's not going to get any benefit out of this. Uh, it'll only be a detriment to him. And so I, I think that it's interesting to hear him come out and, and say something like that. I just wish it wasn't so public. That's the Well, I mean, I don't even have a problem with that. For mm-hmm. me, it's one of those things where as long as he kind of doesn't make this into a shitstorm, mm-hmm. he kind of just put that out there, that's it. I'm okay with that. Right, yeah. I just don't want it to be a controversy in which, you know, the internet freaks out. It's mm-hmm. just, all right, that's how he feels. I'm still going to see it, but... That's cool that he took that stand. Right. Uh, so, and staying in the movie world, uh, we got news this week that uh, Hallelujah, Robert Downey Jr. will be back for a- Avengers 2 and Avengers 3. Nice. Uh, no, no of another Iron Man uh, movie. Uh, I don't think there's much to say except that's awesome. That's what everybody wanted. Glad that it happened. Um, on the Iron Man front, I actually heard in the news today, uh, I believe it was through IGN, that they the plan for Iron Man as a series is that they they hope to make you know Iron Man four five mm. ten yeah um, they're seeing they want people to they're planting the seeds now and trying to get people comfortable with the idea of Iron Man being like a James Bond yeah. type character mm-hmm. where they change him up every couple of years and they they usher in a new iron man and they're they're hoping that people will respond to that. Yeah, and I mean that's uh, in theory that's a great idea, you know, this the the problem is that's really only worked one time. You know, the, the James Bond is such a singular notion. Uh and I think that but in any regards I think they're going to need to start doing that with all of these movies eventually. 
especially it matters more now just because they've created such a shared collective universe. So it now changing actors makes more of a difference because they interact with other actors in a bigger sense. But uh, I mean, that, that would be great if they end up doing that. And it's still crazy yeah. to me. We talk about this so many times that Iron Man is that character for them. He was B. He's a B yeah. character for all intents and purposes. Now, when is Avengers 3 due out? What's our due date? 2018 or something? 2017 or 2018. Well, it would be around, around that time. Um, they're also talking about it. This was uh, in the news today and yesterday that they're hoping that Doctor Strange Yeah, I was going to bring be... that up next. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah right. absolutely. No, you can go ahead. Um, they're, they're basically, they're banking or hoping that they can find an actor to fill the shoes of Doctor Strange and hopefully have him be our next guide in this phase three of films from yeah. Marvel. They basically want to make him the new Iron Man. They want him to spearhead mm-hmm. and be everybody's gateway into the next you know, yeah. phase of these films. Which I always kind of suspected because he's a very similar character to Tony Stark. He starts mm-hmm. out as this kind of playboyish, narcissistic guy who turns into this, you know... You know, still kind of cool and suave and, and stuff, right. but you know, turns into this this crusading hero because well, of tragedy. Responsible that to everyone around him where he was not right. previous. Exa- exactly. Yeah. Well, they're all. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Um, well, they're also. I mean, one of the, the one of the the game plan is because of the nature of Doctor Strange that Doctor Strange deals in magics and he deals in the metaphysical and supernatural and all these things that because they haven't really delved into that in the films just yet that he would be the perfect usher into this world because they're going to be introducing these elements and who better Mm -hmm. to do it than the Mm -hmm. Supreme Sorcerer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Stephanie, what do you think about this? Um, I mean, I'm not too familiar with the character. Mm. It's always a character that I've been interested in reading, but I don't know. There's just never been a comic where I'm like, I should read that. Mm -hmm. So as a result, I mean, it's cool news because, I mean, comic book movies, yay. (laughs) But um, it'd be a character that I have to read up on some more to be like comic book. Yay! Right. Now look, I, I won't spoil his 50-year-old origin for you, Steph, but let's <laughs> just say that I think it was Kevin Feige who said it, and I totally agree. He has one of the best origins in Marvel's history. Mm-hmm. Well, Bob, it, I think you should send me an email with some comics I should read. It's Strange Tales 110. Go all the way back. to <laughs> it's, it's, it's Steve Ditko who's doing Spider-Man yeah. at the same time, and there was nobody better... Mm. at doing that sort of oddball. They were doing horror books then. So Doctor Strange was just one of those at the back of the Human Torch stories Mm. that eventually became, wow, this is a really cool thing. And through the 60s, you know, blacklight posters of Doctor Strange were in dorm rooms. He was just a cool character for people who were into head trips to be Mm -hmm. be interested. And it got even crazier as he went through the 70s as Mm -hmm. people like Steve Englehart, who were experimenting with mind-expanding substances, just leave it at that, took the book he and Frank Bruner to another place. You love Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. And uh, spoilers, we'll be talking a little Doctor Strange later on in the show. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, it's a cool idea. And I'm very excited to see what happens with that character. I'm very excited for Phase 3 because I think we're going to turn move to a a kind of new set of characters. We already know Ant-Man's going to lead it off. And then we're going to have a Doctor Strange movie, and they've they've announced two movies, I believe, for 2017. I believe there's two yeah. movies. They should announce a new one. Uh, no, no title, untitled Marvel movie. But 
Uh, we're definitely going to fill out the roster a little bit there. I, I believe. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, they have a whole list of things in development at various right. stages, yeah. none of which they're willing to say one way or the other, but Black Panther, Captain Marvel's yeah. on this list. Even I think Runaways we'll a, was on that list. Yeah, Runaways was supposed to be a movie a while ago. They, yeah. It was in production. They, they said they don't know it. where it would fit. That's why they haven't done it yet. Yeah. So, oh, well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I believe that they're going to be announcing uh, some titles at the cons this year. Ooh. I'm sure, well, I'm sure yes. at San Diego they'll, they'll bust it out. Drop a That's bomb. kind of San Diego's sole purpose. Drop, yeah. a, drop a nerd bomb. Drop a nerd bomb on people. They're like, ah! Oh, <laughs> drag someone up on the stage who's going to be in Avengers 2. You yeah, know? absolutely. I think we're, we're definitely going to get some of that stuff going on. I think we're definitely going to get more reveals about Vigo characters. Mortensen walks out and says he's going to be <laughs> Doctor Strange. I'm going to freak. Uh, I, I just think a little bit at this point, especially a movie that won't be out to 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. he's a little bit too old to play the character. Ah, technology. He'll be like 55 by the time... You can't start a 10-year franchise with You see what 55. they did with Jeff Bridges and Tron Legacy? Yeah. Even they, though it didn't look that good sometimes? Yeah, <laughs> it looked horrible. He looked so scary. <laughs> Young Jeff Bridges' character. You're not I'm, making your case well. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> I, have, can, I have a couple of years to, to refine it, so yeah. I, They can make right. him scary CG man. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know. Um, all right, so that's... Well, actually, Bob, you had a little bit of Peter David news to share, correct? Sure. Uh, he was at a uh, an event in New York City last week. But I think it was with Tom Brevoort, just mm. Q&A. And after a whole bunch of discussions of all his books and novels and the Hulk and everything else, someone asked him about, well, what's going on with X Factor? Mm. Uh, I, I, and Peter was, I can't say anything. You know, they'll come and pull my nails out with, you know, with pliers. Mm. But what I will say is that I've got a project coming from Marvel, and it's got something to do with mutants. Okay. And yeah. that's fine by me. All right. All right. So more to look for. Little, I, I was, we were joking before. Yeah. <clears throat> so were they going to call it X-Men X-Factor? Because they just need yeah. to get the uh, X-Men could. name in it. And make it a number one. Yeah. X-Men Avengers X-Factor. <laughs> Wolverine. Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie's already curling up into a little ball. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and just throw Batman's name in there just for good measure to make yeah, sure Justice League too. Yeah. They just string them all together. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that's it for for news uh, for this week. Um, before we move on to books of the week, though, there is not really news, but some sad uh, a passing happened this week. Uh, Richard Matheson. Uh, it, there's it's almost too much stuff and too much influence to even put into words. The most famous story you'll probably know is I Am Legend, but I want to let Bob kind of talk about him a little bit before sure. we move uh, Well, um, just to say this, to throw the comic books into it, he wrote The Incredible Shrinking Man as, mm. as a serialized story, became that movie in 57, which is certainly the Adam and Ant-Man. So just on that basis, you know, we're all beholden to him as comic book folks. But also wrote the original novel that became Somewhere in Time, which is Bid, bid Time pass or something now okay. i'm drawing a blank i wrote it down can't remember mm. uh he wrote the script for the night stalker wrote mm. scripts for roger corman for things mm. like the raven and pit and the pendulum wrote star trek episodes wrote 16 twilight zone yeah. episodes uh just an amazing he's sort of a, a another ray bradbury his characters mm-hmm. are brilliantly drawn real human beings but shrinking man the story and the movie if nothing happened at all the character of Scott Carey and Louise, what their interaction is, is beautifully mm-hmm. human and well done. And you could read it as a metaphor for any other disease as one partner yeah. is re- re- regressing. Um, just amazing. I am legend. I'm, I'm sitting here right in mm. front of me. I even have an autographed copy. <laughs> um, 
please go back and I, we've been told since we talked about this a couple yeah. of weeks back that there is a graphic novel of it mm. so that's on my short list of things to buy now mm. this week do yourself a favor even though he didn't like some of the changes they made find the old movie it's it's called last man on earth with vincent price it's made in 63 it is the I Am Legend that should have been. Mm-hmm. It is not the Omega Man with Heston. It is certainly not the Will Smith one. Mm-hmm. It is a. It's certainly the best Vincent Price performance since the '40s. It is sad and lonely and just charming and wonderful. And it's everything that Richard Matheson's writing was. So, mm-hmm. get I Am Legend the book. Watch Last Man on Earth and go watch some Twilight Zone yeah. tonight. And honestly, every m- modern horror writer and suspense writer mentions him at any point. Stephen King talks about him at length in his autobiography and whenever he can, you know, so he has a huge influence on people and he will definitely uh, be missed. It, it, it reminds me, you know, the Ray Bradbury passing. It also reminds me of the Kurt Vonnegut passing, just these kind of seminal people who are, are leaving us uh, right now. Uh, but it's better to celebrate, you know, his life and mm-hmm. what he gave us the, and to mourn his passing. So let's uh, move on and let's talk about our books of the week. I will, I'll start out this week. I want to start with a little bit of a negative just really quickly. A, a series that I absolutely uh, adore for the most part. Uh, Batman and Batgirl this week, I just did not, I, mm. did, I didn't like it. I didn't, I, I thought that I thought that uh, Tomasi's been doing a fantastic job of progressing the Batman character from the point of Damien's death through these stages of grief. Uh, and this one, it, it it's supposed to be the bargaining issue. It, it feels more like just another anger issue. Oh. And it's a shame because Batman's acting very... Uh, He's just so he's just screaming like almost the entire time. I, I don't I think the Batgirl depiction is very good and I, I I like her story in this issue, but uh I was very disappointed in in, in the the Batman aspects of the issue. I don't want to harp on it, but I just wanted to bring that up uh very quickly. Uh really quick, once again, Uncanny Avengers. This is one of these things where I don't Rick Remender, when he writes like this, is like some it's like Jonathan Hickman and Grant Morrison had some sort of like insane baby that does <laughs> writing the book. This is one of those issues where it's so dense with information and so insane with the 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 theories and the 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 time travel uh, plots and the the string theory and all these other things that it's almost you have to read multiple times in order to absorb everything that happens there. You know, it's to the point where this issue is a little bit more uh, academic than it is a, 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 a story that you connect to, but it's so interesting and so fascinating to to read a book like this that really, it's, it started out as, as very much a run-of-the-mill, I feel like, superhero story and has become something very, very different, and I'm very excited uh, by that. Uh, Mara number five was awesome. Uh, the this, this series just keeps taking turns. Like, it just... I never know what's going to happen next, and that's awesome. But my my book of the week is uh, Brother Lono, uh, Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Rizzo. Uh, It's a spinoff from the 100 Bullets series, which I haven't read, so I'll be clear about that. But picking up this book, I was not confused. I was not wondering about other events of other books. Uh, this is a brutal book. It's a, it's from the Vertigo imprint, and I feel like since we talked about Vertigo dying a couple weeks ago, I've read a Vertigo book almost every single week, which I mm-hmm. guess... Uh, Good is, for you. Is poetic yeah. justice, I think, in a little way. But uh, it's a really hard story. It's a kind of a, 
it's I believe it's Mexico. It's a Mexican gang story. Uh, it begins uh, it begins with kind of uh, our main character digging a grave and then flashes back to the events that was going on. And uh, it's just such a a dense world, uh, beautiful art, uh, really intense and uh, gory, uh, and with some very very. Uh, unsavory characters hmm. happening in it but really cleverly plotted and i just had a great time and i was very surprised by it because i picked it up because i was like you know what uh, i don't think anybody else is reading it so let me pick it up and read it to see to see what it's all about and i was really uh blown away uh by what i got uh just so everybody knows who wrote in we're going to talk about age of ultron number 10 um we want we don't we don't want to get into spoilers in the main part of the show, so we're going to talk about it. If you wait till after the 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 theme at the end of the show, we'll have a little spoilery discussion about what happens in Age of Ultron. But for those just wondering what we thought of it, uh, really quick, I mean, Steve, I know you read it. What did you think of it? Oh, we're gonna do this. Now. We're just talk about just general impressions, then we'll get into spoilers because people might not have read it. You just want to know if if we are satisfied with the way it ended. My my impression is this, or my, my my stance on it is this, is that the jury is still out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like there are pieces of the puzzle that we don't have. I know that this has been billed as the end mm-hmm. of Age of Ultron. I feel that it was the more of a beginning of the end mm-hmm. than an actual end. We still have the AU issue, and not. To, I mean, this is Marvel. There are going to be books upon books that echo out from these events that are going to explain them more. There'll be more consequences uh, due to the events in the story. And uh, I don't I, I kind of want to see some of those. I want to see some of the some of the consequences and some of the reverberations from the event itself before I decide how I feel about it as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll reserve any of my other thoughts until we, we go spoilers. Okay. Uh, Stephanie, did you, have you been keeping up? I, I know we haven't checked in about Age of Ultron in a couple of weeks, a couple of months, no, actually. I'm, I'm a little bit behind on it. I think I read up to issue number seven, so okay. I still have a few issues to kind of catch up, unfortunately. All right. All right, cool. Um, for me, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, there, there's two edges to it for me, because I feel like the book itself is fine. I feel like it's it's a well-written book with some interesting twists and turns. And uh, the, the the battle with Ultron, I think, is very well-drawn. And uh, I think there's some clever stuff that happens. I love seeing Hank be a major player in the universe again. That makes me very happy. Uh, my major problems with it just lie in the fact that... And it's probably more... It's really probably more the, the uh, publicity behind it than it is the actual book. Because... There was a lot of promises made about the book, and it's going to change everything, and all or nothing. And right. at the end of the book, I was kind of like, yeah, like, what did it change? And the, the the big thing at the end, which is this, this is not a spoiler because we've talked about it before, is Angela coming into into the fray. That I knew that was going to happen five months ago, you know, three months ago. So, and the and it's probably a good thing they did it anyway because I wouldn't known who it was if they hadn't have done that whole right. big thing with it. Because right. look for a large slice of people who didn't read Spawn all those yeah. years ago. It's well, who's that? Exactly, and and they they prevented that by doing that what they did. Right. Well, that was one of my things I was going to touch on later. Yeah. Was her coming in at the end? Yeah. And you know, be two two things from that being well, there there it is that the thing that I've been told about yeah. for months to come, and the other being. And yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's my. And this is just. This is as as unspecific as I can be about it. The the event itself. Uh, 
it was obvious reading it that he wrote a chunk of it a while ago and then a chunk of it again when the when they you know more recently when they were trying to sculpt what it was going to mean in in the the bigger marvel universe and you can see that dissect i think you can see that 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 split and i think what ends up happening is the end of it and i had the same problem when i read civil war which is the end of it doesn't feel like the end it feels like the setup for a bunch of other books like you were saying and that's my biggest problem with it well i have a question i mean i know we're going on about this but my, my question is this they kept on telling us that there were, you know, maybe five people that knew the end of this, mm. and there were guest artists mm. and and things of that nature. Was this the book that they were talking about? Where they, because I know that the yes, art, so like, around, this a, was the one. Yeah, there's like twenty artists on that book. All right, well then, yeah, yeah well then I'm I'm feeling well, it was a in a bit out mm. because. I was expect. I was thinking that maybe it's the AU issue no. where they're going to like really drop the bomb. No, that th- that AI issue that's coming out this week is a lead into that new series that they're doing. Well, I mean, all right. I will. I'll save. Yeah, my, I'm. I'm. I so want to jump into. Spoilers, we'll we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yes, because I haven't read it. So. Yeah, no. Okay. We're not going to talk about. I'll kill you. All right, <laughs> shutting up. Uh, so yeah, that that's my opinion on it. You know. Uh, and it always happens with this stuff. It's it, you have to think of it almost in two in two ways, uh, as an end to a ten part event that I pretty much enjoyed. I feel like it meandered. Uh, I feel it was a little bit disappointing because of just the way that it ended, you know, uh, and, and the way it was wrapped up. But there are things about it that excite me, so we'll see uh, what's going to come. Hmm. There's some beautiful pages in it. There's oh, a absolutely. there's a page. Uh, there's a is the four pages basically. Of no text and just these very stark images that I think is beautiful, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that deserves uh, a lot of credit. Uh, but we'll talk about that more at the end of the show, and you guys will hear our our spoilery reactions to it. Uh, Stephanie, what do you got for us? Alrighty. Well, I read a ton of stuff the past couple of days. I've been catching up on a few things. Again, I'm still a bit on an indie kick, so some of the other things like some of the major titles. I think we kind of touched on this last week. I'm a bit behind on. Mm-hmm. I finally read Batman 21. Okay. Um, and I'll just quickly say, you know, you guys discussed it last week, but mm. I really enjoyed it. I think it's a really interesting spin on the sort of, uh, it's not like an origin, but like, you know, it's an interesting take on Batman's background. Mm-hmm. Um, so next up to tie in with the game talk, I read last of us three. Um, the third issue of four from Dark Horse. Um, and if you've beat the game, there's a couple, like it, it all ties in. It kind of is Ellie's prequel to, um, you know, meeting up with Joel in the game. And I'm really enjoying it. I really like Faith Aaron Hicks's art and um, the story that she's helping co-write. Mm-hmm. Um, Stain with Dark Horse, Amala's Blade, number three. This is really awesome. I'm enjoying this series a lot too. Um, again, I think it'll read better um, as a complete trade when it's out eventually. Uh, but if this is up your alley, you know, ghosts, guns, and ladies, <laughs> and stuff. That's a good, well, until the stuff part, that's a good <laughs> b- book quote right there. That's a good cover quote. It's it's great. I really enjoy it. I think it's fun, but it has a serious plot too. So it's something that, you know, again, doesn't take itself too seriously, but is substantial. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What else do we get? Uh, quickly again, um, some Comixology submit things. There's some really, really, really great stuff coming out from them right now. Uh, I talked about Demeter from Becky Cloonan and also um, Wolves. And they're so great. 
and the Myers on there now. So for like $2.97, you can have Demeter, Wolves, and the Meyer mm-hmm. via Comixology Submit. And they're worth like so much more. So hmm. go buy them. <laughs> they're so good. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I know. I read a lot. And a lot of stuff was just awesome. And again, still talking about um, Comixology Submit, I just on a whim read this book called Six Barrel Shotgun by Austin Wilson and illustrated by Logan Faber. And it, it kind of just jumps into like the middle of a story. You don't really know the characters' names. And the chick is riding this, she's like this punk ass chick, and she's riding this giant raven. Well, that's good right away. That's good yeah. stuff. Yeah, the art's really cool. The art is what <laughs> caught me right away. Um, it was just so striking. But basically, she's fighting these aliens that, you know, are kind of messing people's shit up. <laughs> and uh, There's a book quote, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's just trying to stop them. And y- you know what? There's not really much substance to the plot or anything, but she fights them. And there's some, like, mad ninja moves. And there's a giant fucking bird. <laughs> a giant so, fucking bird. <laughs> like, the actual synopsis I read afterwards, and I was like, oh. <laughs> okay but like basically and apparently there's a character she has a name and everything which i didn't pick up on but you know <laughs> raven girl you know it's like crater fury finds kyvan oak two or okay two aliens she's been tracking for days with the help of her combustion falcon which is named righteous she swoops into battle to stop the two aliens from causing more damage to anything else around them combustion falcon what? Yeah. I want that. I want that on a T-shirt, right? Yeah, so good. And at first, I didn't realize the bird was named Righteous, and she just kept on going like Righteous. (laughs) And I was like, "What?" And then there's a bird, and there's like, "Thought "Ah!" it was a declaration and not a name." (laughs) Yeah. Well, she's all punk. Righteous. She's all punk ass. Punk is so righteous. But so that was a lot of fun to read. The art was so good, and I was just like, "These are beautiful. There are falcons and things." And They're combusting. <laughs> but it was it was just really great. Um, <laughs> I got really sidetracked. Does the Anyways, bird explode in like a plume of feathers or anything of that nature? No, you just have to read it. Just read it. Like, Did a, you, like Tweety Bird or something? Yeah. I also read, I'll, I'll come back to this at the end, like Lazarus. Does anyone else read Lazarus? Uh, no, I didn't read it yet. Okay, then I'll I'll leave that because mm. I think it actually doesn't come out till today. It does not come out till today. So we will maybe discuss it next week. But anyways, yeah. my favorite thing ever. I've discussed I've mentioned this book before, um, but I'm gonna mention it again, and it is Battle Pug. Yeah, Battle Pug. So I got a chance to read the second volume. It's a webcomic, but they're collected, so the first volume's out. You can pick it up in stores uh from Dark Horse. Um, and the second volume's getting primed to be released as well. So I read the second volume today, and oh my god, this is like seriously the best comic ever. It won an Eisner last year for best webcomic, and completely understandably, it's so awesome. Mike Norton does it, who does Revival, and like, love him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just can't, like, it's this girl named Maul, and she's telling a story about a battle pug and this guy... You know, she's telling the story to her dogs. Yeah. And they're like, they're talking dogs. And their dogs are kind of like, tell us a story. And 
the one dog's like super snarky and is just basically like, you know, he's always making fun of the poor pug and, you know, he's always criticizing her story and blah, 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 blah. And the pug's just like, you know, like there's this one park where he's, the one dog is counting on his paw and he's like, I'm counting all the things that you said that would be in this and they're not here. And the pug's like, (laughs) we have fingers? And it's just like all these like really stupidly awesome things that I adore about this book. At one point in time, the like main guy just keeps on getting attacked by giant animals. He's like, what is the deal with this? What? Like, you know, they're trying to go through this field and there's these little gophers and they're like, the field is cursed. I, I just to back Stephanie up. I've read it as well. And it's exactly the way she's describing it. And it's yes, awesome. But yeah, like there's these, these gophers, and it's kind of like one of those Monty Python things where you're like, "Oh, is it a killer?" They can't buddy? do anything to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, "Look at the cute little gophers," and then the gophers like they all meld together. They get it's like organized. The rat king. <laughs> it's like the gopher equivalent to like a rat king. <laughs> is that what they're called, rat kings? Where they all like tied together by their tails? Yes. Yes. yes yeah. Yes. And it's just like this giant evil gopher. And there's like this crazy old man who just says, "Scribbly, scribbly, scribbly." He's like, "Scribbly, ha, ah, scribbly, ha!" Ah. And he just like runs around in the comic and the best, it's the best. And then like in the second volume, again, I'm I'm just like talking about the plot. I'm sorry, but it's so good. There's like this little girl that just has a potty mouth, and it's great. It's basically the best thing ever. Have All I right. said that enough? So there we go. Battle yeah. Thug Volume Two, <laughs> best thing ever. <laughs> Stephanie Best Cook. All right. I'm done, I swear. All right. Yeah. No, you're not. All right. Steve, what do you got for us? <laughs> yeah, how do you follow, follow that? that? You, yeah. Always, yeah. you always put me after Stephanie. And I come off as You've got to balance out the, gotta balance yeah, the, I guess the levels. So, but I'm always, I'm always thrown to the slaughter. Because now i got to talk about my books, <laughs> which don't have scribbly scrabbly men or battle <laughs> pugs. You could add them. Yeah. But what, my, what one of my books does have is Cloak and Dagger. Mm-hmm. Scribbly. Wow. I told you she wasn't done. Yeah. All right. Uh, I hope everybody's been catching up on their uh, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man. The Spider-Man No More arc uh, continues. Uh, Miles has decided he doesn't know if he wants to be Spider-Man. He's got a lot of pressure from other people to do so, but he doesn't know how he feels. Uh, this issue focuses on basically a like a retooling of the Cloak and Dagger characters and reintroducing them into the Ultimate Universe. Mm-hmm. Who knows how long they'll be around? But it is wonderful. I don't want to spend too much time on it. It is a wonderful debut for the characters, and the art from uh, David Marquez is just awesome. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting him last year at Comic-Con, and he's just a tremendous talent, and I always like seeing his art on the book. Uh, moving on... Uh, okay, so this week was a little bit of a rough week, uh, and I wanted to read something that when one of the things we're going to be talking about later are comics that make us happy, comics that bring us joy. Um, one of the comics that I read to escape, and you might have seen this in uh, one of our new uh, Shop Talk segments, <laughs> I, I fully admit I've talked about it on the show, I am a fan of the My Little Pony comic book series. It's not that you were a fan of the series. It was the way you were musing about the about you you were the way you were talking about the art in the book that was and funny. absolutely because yeah. Thomas Zoller draws differently. Mm. 
Katie Cook. Uh, I bait. I don't have first names in front of me, but Bates uh, is on this book anyway. Um, uh, Bates. Ah, uh, Bates. <laughs> I I enjoy the series a great deal. I really needed something the other day where I had a huge pile of comics in front of me. And I looked at my, my Hickman Avengers, and I, I looked at my Fantastic Four, and my Captain Marvel, even though I love Captain Marvel, and just my stuff that I knew that I'd have to sit down, and seriously, an Age of Ultron was ending, and I just didn't want to deal with any of it. I really didn't. I knew I had to read comics, but I needed to unplug. So I picked up uh, My Little Pony micro series. This is the Pinkie Pie edition. <laughs> I, I of course know. it is. I know, I know. It all sounds so ridiculous. The way that he depicts Pinkie Pie is just <laughs> so emotionally affecting. I am the voice for everyone that feels this way, damn it. And good for you, and, and good for them. That's right, Bob. That's right, I'm proud. Yeah. Pinkie Pie is my favorite damn pony, okay? <laughs> and she is. And uh, in this micro-series issue, she, uh, she's the one that's always... She's, I guess, the dopiest of the ponies. She's always screaming. She's a lot like Stephanie, actually. Ow! No, it's a compliment. And uh, yeah. I, did, I did say she was my favorite pony, it's so true. she was going to be any of them. You also called her dopey, though. So. There you go. <laughs> but she's just always flailing around, makes lots of noise. Well, well that does sound about right. <laughs> So she comes across, she's a huge fan of uh, this one pony who happens to be a clown, I guess, amongst uh, the equestrians called Poniachi. Oh, gosh. What? It's cute. Yes, it is. No, it's it's very cute. You guys are just going to laugh at me the entire time. That's funny. You're supposed to laugh at me. It's supposed to be funny. I read this and I'm not laughing because I'm making fun of this book for the record. I'm just laughing because of like the way you're explaining it is awesome and ridiculous. Okay. (laughs) So, Poniachi comes to town (laughs) (laughs) and Pinkie Pie is extremely excited. (laughs) Naturally. How could you not be? And uh, she, to her to her dismay, she discovers that Poniachi is quitting the business. She is just a bad agent or something. What's no, he's he's, get, he's getting old. He can't perform the high wire tricks that he's used to, and he okay. feels he he feels that he makes everyone else laugh, but nothing is making him laugh. So he's kind of losing his fire. Right from Poniachi, that is is, is it Verdi? Am I no? I don't, I don't know. I'm not that the, the opera, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Uh, I only know it from the Seinfeld episode. Me too, yeah. <laughs> so, so the whole time I have, you know, uh, this thing in my head from, from Seinfeld. And I'm reading this issue, and it's highly enjoyable. It's very funny. Uh, the pages, again, the artwork is great and super, super colorful. The colorist that they have on these books, uh, it just, it makes me, it helps me to relax. It makes me smile. Some of the puns are delicious. Other ones are very obvious and sad. But uh, overall, the book just, it it makes me laugh. It's funny. It's heartwarming. And every one of these books teaches a very valuable lesson by the end. And they tie it together with good storytelling, lots of laughs. And I just, I like, I've, I've been enjoying the micro series of being able to focus in on each of the characters and kind of give them their chance to shine, so on and so forth. So 
That was one of my favorite uh, books of the week. Your passion's infectious. But you yeah. didn't say delightful anywhere. No, I, I didn't say delightful. I'm going to come up with a new sure. word by the okay. end of this to describe it. But, <laughs> I want to uh, read it after that description. I have here, to tell you. Here you go, Bob. Definitely, I'll bring it back to you next week. There you go. No, you have to bring this to Canada. No, I don't need to. I'll, um, I'll get a copy at uh, Heroes London when I go there. Uh, but my book of the week, we were talking uh, before about Doctor Strange. I decided uh, my only exposure to the character has been him popping up in other books. He pops up in New Avengers, which I am grossly behind on. But um, the only thing I've ever read from Doctor Strange is the new Series 1 reboot from Greg Pak that came out not too long ago uh, with art from, I believe it was Emma Rios. Emma Rios, yeah. And uh, I very, very, very much enjoyed it. I, I really uh, had, like I said, no exposure to the character the art sometimes got a little a little chaotic, and it was a little bit difficult to figure out what was going on within the panels, but overall, highly, highly enjoyable. So this week, I went to my, uh, you know, bookshelf-o-trades and decided I found this for $3 when I was at Heroes London in Canada, and uh, it's Strange, The Doctor is Out from Mark Wade and Art, again, by Emma Rios. Mm-hmm. And... This is this is going to sound so cheesy, but the thing about this Doctor Strange book is that it is just that. It is very, very strange. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to uh, describe this to you as best as I can. People, this is a little old. I People that have read it before, you're familiar with it. Uh, the this, this story starts at a baseball game. Doctor Strange shows up, and there's this misfit, punky, recluse uh, child who happens to be the granddaughter of the owner of a baseball team and she's sitting in the stand she's texting her friend she's bored out of her mind and she's very much the the girl that can't connect with the world she has to close herself off Mm -hmm. she ends up meeting dr strange by chance or so he would have her believe Mm -hmm. at first and in her being rude to him he decides to teach her a lesson because he's got a feeling about her. There's something about her. She's giving off a magical energy that he wants to explore. So he steals her glasses, her prescription glasses, and with whatever magic he has left, we're at the point in Doctor Strange's um, career, existence, Mm -hmm. path, or whatever, where he's been Mm demagicked and his his hands aren't able to form the uh, positions for the incantations that he needs to make his magic work entirely. Yeah, he's not the Sorcerer Supreme at that point. Dr. Voodoo is, well, Brother Voodoo, then Dr. Voodoo. Right, so he puts an enchantment on these glasses that this girl is wearing and basically allows her to see the world of demons and the world of magic, and she realizes that the entire crowd that are watching this major baseball game, that they're all trapped within this, like almost like a demonic bubble that everyone in the crowd is being distracted by this great, uh, one of the greatest baseball games ever played, and they have no idea that the opposing team is filled with demons that have taken over the opposing team and are, like, crippling Mm. the game. Uh, It leads into all kinds of magic and hijinks and all these things. By the end of the first issue, they, you know, solve the case very Mm Scooby-Doo style, and Doctor Strange decides to take his leave, and he disappears. But what he doesn't realize is he'd assumed that his magic would just wear off, and that once he leaves, you know, the glasses would go back mm. to normal, so on and so forth. But it turns out that this girl 
uh, I think her name is Julie, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, Julie. Julie. She has a bit of magic inside her to begin with. Mm. So the enchantments that he uh, gifted onto her, they continue working after he leaves. And it spirals out into all these other stories and all these adventures where mm. Doctor Strange then needs to come back and basically coach her into the world of magic. And what it ends up being is one of those turnaround stories where you don't like the main character, not strange, but the girl, Julie, you don't like her. She's very unlikable right off the bat. She's rude. She uh, shows no appreciation for the things that she has, Mm -hmm. but she finds an identity and a, a, a compassion coming from Dr. Strange that he treats her in a way because of the magic that nobody else ever has. And she ends up learning about sacrifice and she ends up learning about uh, like giving up her her attitude. And, and just I don't want to spoil too much. It's one of those four issue journeys for a character that you'll meet. You never came across before. And by the end of it, uh, you might find yourself caring about them a great deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very cool. Highly, highly bizarre mm. they even go into the visit there's an enchantment over one of those uh like childhood uh, not childhood but child pageantry shows where all the mothers yeah, are a great moment yeah they're all the, all the mothers are are you know feverish about getting their mm. children to win these pageants and how they all made a deal with a demon for for their child to win these things and it's just right. it's a commentary on that whole subculture uh and it's Really, really well done. Yeah, it's a cross between Toddlers, Tiaras, and Carrie. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're looking for a way into Doctor Strange before all the, the strange madness, uh, I mean, it's already begun, mm. but it's going to really start to ramp up over the next couple of months, especially with Comic-Cons coming, and you want to delve into the character with something fairly recent, uh, Bob suggests that you go all the way back. I would love to do that. But if you're looking for something a little bit more current, uh, it's called Strange. The Doctor is Out. It's uh, by Mark Wade with art by Emma Rios. Highly, highly, just very artful and colorful and really, really, really strange. Well, it was really good. Around that period, Doctor Strange was not being used well. You could just drop him into a story to fix things mm-hmm. because he could just wave his hands and stuff had happened. Well, that wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. This got you back to... Stephen is a bit off because bad things have happened, but he's still a really good fella for mm-hmm. the most part, but he's, he's unsure of himself, and it takes Julie to bring him back to the world, too. They really influence each other. It's right. really well, he, lovely. He ends up teaching her uh, a spell that's not supposed to be used, mm-hmm. and that's what ends up, I forgot to mention, that's what ends up causing the chaos. Right. Absolutely. Cool. Awesome. Um, yeah, so that's my book of the week. All right, awesome. Bob? I'll go a little out of order, and I don't know how I followed the last two, but uh, here we go. Um, I was going to talk about this next, but in the new Fantastic Four, uh, which is, of course, Matt Fraction, Mark Bagley, um, we've been following the family as they're sick, and Ben Grimm's been having some headaches, and let loose in the middle of the Age of Ultron stuff, how he might have had something to do with Doctor Doom becoming Doctor Doom, that he had messed something up back Mm -hmm. in their college days. So we've taken a road trip back, and, and Reed and Ben are going to visit that moment in spirit. But so apparently are, you know, the Council of Dooms are going to show up, because this is, this is their Jerusalem. This is, you know, Jesus being right. born. This, well, this is them being born. This and, is their free trip to... Uh, right, right, yeah. The, the, the Magi, only they're all right. Doctor Doom. <laughs> yeah. 
But here on the cover, there are all these Doctor Dooms in various guises with horns and Arab regalia and all mm. sorts of things. And the middle of it is an amalgam comics character called Doctor Strange Fate <laughs> for no particular reason that was around when DC and Marvel did a crossover. So with all this Ultron stuff and universes mushing mm. together and time travel here getting mm. really messed up because Ben, he does something. It may or may not have affected anything, but he feels responsible. And so mm -hmm. Matt Fraction really gets you into that. Ben steps out of the time stream to try to fix what went wrong all those years ago, mm. and all heck breaks loose. There are now 47 Doctor Dooms who all need to get clobbered a little <laughs> bit. Um, it's really nicely done. I had reservations going here. This is a real change to mm -hmm. something. The change may or may not happen, but we get a three-page sequence of Reed and Ben, and you see what their friendship is. Mm -hmm. And if that's been pushed aside a little bit over the, the first you know, seven, eight issues here as we've dealt with the real family unit, now the extended family, you see that moment again. Mm -hmm. where uh, Steve, I know you read? Yeah, I read it, reviewed it, and I really enjoyed it, as always. Uh, my favorite book on the shelves. I, I'm not going to go on because I, can, I only say good things about it. It's it was really cool to see that moment, and uh, I just think it's it's funny how n almost no one in the Marvel universe they don't really think about the consequences of their actions, especially when it comes to fiddling with time and and crucial mm. events. Yeah, they don't really realize mm. they somebody really needs to have. I think uh, Valeria needs to have a butterfly effect oh. uh, one hundred and one lesson with everyone. <laughs> that would be good. There's a whole issue of FF you could write. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, cool. Yeah. You know, I, I so funny. I I did not read that yet, but when you were talking about it, I'm like, that's not the Doctor Doom thing that happened this week. It's because in the New Avengers, there's the Doctor Doom yeah. dinner scene they do, which is is also really awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And they explain. I love I, how they explain like how Reed can be there and also be I in his keep, own book. I keep hearing about it. I'm so I'm so behind. I think I, I only only read the first four. Yeah. I'm dying Ooh. to catch up to that. Yeah. But Hickman stuff. I started I started reading Avengers over again. Mm -hmm. And I swear, after like three or four issues, I get a headache. <laughs> I love him. He's one of my favorite writers. But my God, like after a while, I just, it's too much for me. I, yeah. I can't. I need to take a step away from it. Yeah. Well, quickly, so the New Avengers, without giving anything away, you get so many great Black Panther and Namor moments Namor in this moments, one. Yeah. I won't say anything until it's you read cool. it. It's cool. Saw it ruin your Black Panther party. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Uh, X Factor 258. It's part two of six of the end of X Factor. It's Peter David, of course. Neil Edwards back on this book. Now that Dark Avengers was canceled, mm -hmm. another book that I was reading. Uh, <laughs> we're in here. It's it's interesting to say that a book that opens with a gunfight in a church is sort of a calm issue. Mm -hmm. It's a very personal, small issue. It's Wolfsbane, Ron Sinclair dealing with some issues from the... Hell on Earth, which mm. I won't talk about in case people haven't caught back mm. up yet. And you really get a nice wrap of what her storyline has been like from all the way back. We're here to her religion, mm. and we get to see one of the Madroxes. They're mm. not all demons. This one's still <laughs> hanging around. So for people who've been missing Jamie, he's, he's here to have some fun. Um, people pick this up. I know it's coming to an end as we, you know, we gave a little news thing report uh, during our news reports earlier. Some of these characters may be back. I hate to be a shill for Peter and Marvel, but you know <laughs> what? This is a book that needed to have more people reading, and maybe it wouldn't be going away. So hopefully we restart this with one, mm -hmm. and some of these characters get a second life. So 
X Factor 258. Stephanie, did you pick this one up? No, I haven't. I mean, I picked it up. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, okay. but you know I'm a fan okay. because so, of you. Well, thank you much. So hopefully I didn't spoil anything just there. Yeah. Um, quickly, because we are sort of running long here, Captain Marvel 13, which is now the third part of the Enemy Within crossover. Uh, as usual for, for this book, tremendous character work. Uh, Tons of really cool detective-y thing as we see Carol standing in front of a whiteboard with all sorts of circles and crease. It's sort of the anti-Jonathan Hickman. It's not computers. <laughs> it's just dry erase. Mm-hmm. And her telling Tracy Burke, oh, just shut up, old woman. Mm-hmm. Just people snarking at each other. Yeah, it's just great. Wendy Kawasaki apparently has a crush on Bruce Banner, hmm. which, is, which is fun. What is Bruce? What do you mean, Bruce? Uh, Spider-Woman, incredible. Mm-hmm. And I mean... I, the action stuff is good, too, but mm. I, if nothing happened. Mm. But, you know, we've got Yon Rog from back in the old Captain Marvel days. Kelly Sue's gone all the way back to the very, very beginning from Marvel superheroes. Has got a plan. He wants the power that he thought was his. So now he's bringing back the Kree sentries, which go back to FF64 in the, in the middle 60s. They're popping up everywhere. So we have all these Avengers now. Let's send them places. So, you know, down the swamp somewhere, it's the Hulk and Spider-Woman beating up sentries with the Spider-Woman sort of crouching on a hill yelling, boo yeah, <laughs> while the Hulk is just punching the sentinel, uh, sentry's head off. This is just really great stuff. It's funny. This series is really making me crave. I don't know if, they'd ever, if she'd ever do it, but I would love for Kelly Sue DeConnick to do a Spider-Woman, Captain Marvel, and Black Widow, like Charlie's Angels like just like a three issue run, just a mm. quick little thing of them going off to do one job. I th- the potential for comedic, I, I just oh my god, it'd yeah. be so oh, funny. It would be gold, absolutely. Uh, artwork here, it's Scott Hepburn who's doing a really nice job. It's all been a, of a character, mm-hmm. you know, between Dexter and Emma and Felipe Andre, and it's a little more superheroic. But it's still the got that. Been? It's got that Felipe Andre. He at least yep. he kept like the the style. So there's a little more of a uniform look to the book. It's not as extreme. It's not as liquid television as the Felipe Andre yes. stuff. But it it's it still has a lot more angular, long limbed, you know, different uh, type of look yep. to it. And in the quiet scenes, it works brilliantly. Yeah. The people just standing around seem like they're in action somehow. Mm-hmm. So we're only a few issues into this. So if you haven't picked them up, you should. Uh, there is a trade coming of all these. They will collect these from the two, two different books and the one shot into a trade. That'll be out in December, I am told. Cool. Awesome. So that's it for our books of the week. We're going to take a short break and we'll come back and we'll talk about what we're loving in comics right now. And as we promised, we're going to be talking about the things we we love in the comic book world right now. Uh, we put out the call on Facebook and Twitter, and this uh, Jake Tanner on Facebook wrote in this. He wrote, It seems like we harp a lot on the things that are wrong with the industry. 
How about a discussion on the things they're loving and the directions and writers and publishers are taking that we are optimistic about? Uh, so we love that topic. It's mm-hmm. something we can talk about, you know, for a nice, a nice conversation about it. Uh, again, it can cover anything. So we're just going to kind of talk about the stuff that we love. Um, Stephanie, why don't you start us out? Just start talking about stuff that you love that's going on right now. Um, Right now, something that I think is fantastic is smaller publishers putting out all these awesome books and they're really pushing the bigger companies to do new things and to try new things and to go different places with their books. And I think that's something that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Image comes out with all kinds of creative titles that are just, I mean, not necessarily the most original ideas, but they're original spins on stuff. I mean, there's tons of a, just straight up originals, mm-hmm. but it's it's a hard with any medium, with film, with music, with comics, with books, if anything, it's hard to be completely original. It's all been done at some point in time or another. And so I just love, you know, Dark Horse and Image and all that, and Boom and Archaea. They're all keeping Marvel and DC on their toes. Um, It's becoming that time when they're really influencing largely, you know, like, my pull list. Mm -hmm. So me that i'll second that because quite honestly the big two and and though i love superheroes as the focus of most of my reading in the 40s 50s 60s there were other genres Mm -hmm. big two have basically abandoned that except for maybe there's all-star western and a few things here and there the indies have really stepped up to the plate there's science fiction there's horror there's humor there's kid stuff all ages material you still get archie Mm-hmm. You still get manga, you get all these weird little things that tick off all the boxes. And I really hope that there will be a reinvigorated vertigo, that Marvel will do an epic mm-hmm. just off of this to say, hey, look, we're giving these readers away. Yeah. We could do this. We have the same creators. They're working for somebody else. We could have creator owned. Mm-hmm. So I do hope it spurs that. But I'm very, I agree with you, Steph. I'm very positive about that. Yeah. I mean, you can't, the, you know, week in and week out. Uh, there are books that we talk about, you know, there's probably not a book we've talked about more than Saga combined on, on this, on this show. And there's no way that book would ever come out from one of the the big two. But, and the thing is like, I'm not, I'm not saying that as a negative either. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't mind the fact that those two companies, they're the superhero companies and they do that better than anybody because they have the characters that people care about and the characters you yep. can invest in. They have the big toys. Yeah, yep. and they have the deep pockets to pay these major creators to come over and, and write for them. Now, there are certain creators who doesn't that doesn't matter to them anymore. They're going to do whatever they want anyway. But, you know, and that's one of the reasons, too, when we read superhero books from these indie publishers, I don't really take to them that much because it takes a lot to create a new character in that certain vein to to care about them, you know, you, you you look at them compared to these other characters. Like, why should I care about this sort of Superman like character when Superman exists over here? You know, why Absolutely. should I care about this Batman like character when Batman exists? You know, you have to give me a real reason, and that can happen absolutely. But you know, the, it's the other stuff they're doing, like you said, the, the science fiction stuff and the horror stuff. Those two things, especially, are two of my favorite genres in the entire world, and you get elements of them. In a lot of superhero books, you know, we're getting that in kind of Guardians of the Galaxy. We're getting a very kind of sci-fi uh, a story going on there, but it's it's much more um, 
you know, soft sci-fi. It, 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 it's action movie stuff put into a rapper, which is great. Uh, but with Saw Guns, if you get really hard sci-fi, you know, and, mm-hmm. and th- that stuff is n- stuff you don't get from those two big publishers, and that stuff is fantastic. It's kind of, I mean, and this doesn't discount Marvel, DC, anything like that, because mm. writing is writing, the art is art to me. Like, there's no, that can't be considered art. That can't be considered literature. But, like, for me, like, some of the, I find because they're creator-owned with, like, Image and Dark Horse and a lot of those other things, there's a lot more passion behind the words, and mm. they're taking a lot of more risks, and mm. it shows in the outcomes of the books and what happens that the char- the creators care more about these characters than maybe some of the others. Yeah. But that's not entirely true. I mean, I bet you Scott Snyder loves the shit out of writing Batman. <laughs> right. And, yeah. Ike's, and it shows. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel like American Vampire with, with a character like Pearl, that's his baby. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can see the affection for the character because that's his character. And even though he's awesome at Batman, you know, he will never quite be as good as that because that's like his firstborn child. Mm-hmm. Well, sure. Well, anything like that, any legacy character you're writing, you're in essence renting the character from the guy who's going to follow you on right. the book. Yeah. You're holding on to it and hopefully leaving it in the place they can tell stories mm-hmm. from and not wrecking it. Right. Your own character? Yeah. I can do whatever I feel like. I'll cut yeah. your head off an issue two and have someone else star in the book from there on. Right, yeah. It's mine. I can do what I feel like. Yeah, no, absolutely. That That's absolutely true. Uh, and just that point that we talk about all the time, but being able to read what's going on in Batman right now and and feeling like I'm in the middle of reading something special, you know, something mm-hmm. that people are going to be talking about the way we talk about other very huge runs on books in 10, 15 years you're going to be talking about the Scott Snyder run on Batman. And to feel that is something really special. You know, feel like you're part of something like that. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully we get that with him with Superman and everything else that he does, you know, that, but, and, and that's the thing too, these writers and getting to read these great writers all the time is just, it blows me away. Uh, what do you think, Steve? What do you, what are some things you're loving right now? Uh, well, what I'm loving, I mean, we mentioned a lot of what I'm loving, but, uh, one of the aspects of comics that I've really been enjoying <clears throat> since the new year, I mean, this is more of a more personal note for me, but uh, I met a girl and we started reading comic books together. And one of the things that I've noticed was that, I mean, I love them too, but she very much took to uh, series like Saga and Mind the Gap and... Uh, um, oh my God! Why am I blanking? Mind management mm-hmm. and books like that. Uh, the Wake being another one. Scott Snyder, and I just I love these big, even big or small, these sci-fi titles and these horror titles that are coming out that are kind of merging the genres. That people that don't necessarily they aren't necessarily into the superheroes that they can read comics too. And I mean I know that they've always existed if you know where to look, but you've got all of these premium teams and the the like the the combination of Scott Snyder with Albuquerque or with um the guy that does uh, Sean Murphy mm-hmm. who do, who did uh Punk Rock Jesus is another mm-hmm. example yeah. of just these outlandish premises coming into mm-hmm. these these short stories that you can pick up and you can read and they're so immersive and they're so cool and you can share them with a whole 
different kind of like lover of just literature in general. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be into comics. You could use these comics to bring those people in. Yeah. And that's what what I had done was when my girlfriend and I had gotten together, she always loved comics but wasn't actively reading them. I introduced her to a couple of things and now she's got a pull list of mm-hmm. 15 titles. She's, you know, an avid reader of these things cuz I basically reawakened the beast. <laughs> but it's just it's wonderful that these books exist that you can give them to somebody like that who doesn't doesn't mind a superhero mm-hmm. loves thor loves the avengers and stuff mm-hmm. but when you don't want that that you can turn to the people that are writing those books that they have other passions and other stories to tell and you've got these incredible incredible stories that are very accessible to people that are willing to give them a shot mm-hmm. uh so things like we were just talking about american vampire I have not been afraid of vampires for a very, 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 very long time. I think the last vampire-related thing to unnerve me was uh, the original version of uh, Let the Right One In. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's and a good one to be scared of. I still have not seen Everybody keeps telling me that the, the remake is incredible, if not better. Very good. Very good. All right. very, very I've good. owned it on Blu-ray since day one that it <laughs> was on the shelves. Still have yet to watch it. Yeah. Uh, I really am kind of, I don't know why I'm holding on to it for so long, but that movie scared the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. And American Vampire, I read the first trade. I loved it. I'm going to continue to read the series, but just recently, uh, it was either last week or the week before was the, it was last week, the one shot. Uh, it was great. Mm-hmm. It was great. And it had me scared. Like the, the expressions, the art, the attitude, the bloodlust, everything, everything about the close quarters, the idea that anything could happen at any time, uh, just really, really, really exciting, exciting stuff. And uh, I love getting that rush again. And the idea that I'm getting it from a comic book mm-hmm. is, I, I think, just great. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, that's absolutely. And we, the similar thing you're talking about uh, we, with our friend Jackie has become yes. a very similar situation. We gave her a lock and key uh, to start out with, and it's kind of went from lock and key to morning glories. You know, uh, now she's reading fables. Uh, so we, you know, and also she now gotten her boyfriend Jay now is reading yeah. the comics as well. Is he serious? Yeah, right, right along with her. Yeah, what's yeah, he reading? He's all those same books. Everything that she reads, he's reading. He's one what? volume behind. Yeah. yeah, he's one. He's actually a volume ahead on Lock and Key. Oh, really? And he's read the first volume of Fables. He's what? read all of Morning Glories that they that, that you know they have. Uh, read the first trade of American Vampire. So, and this is all just happened because you know one this we were describing the story of Lock and Key, and it seemed interesting to her. So he passed along, and not only now is she. Loving Lock and Key, but she's moved on to like everything Joe Hill. She started reading. She read Heart Shaped Box because yeah. we were talking about it. Just to uh, to frame this for listeners, yeah. uh, the guy we're talking about, Jay, is actually my cousin through marriage. Mm-hmm. If you want to figure that one out, <laughs> so that's why I'm sitting here so baffled because I've known him for the better part of ten years. Yeah, and the mm-hmm. idea that he even picked up a comic book other mm-hmm. than to move it out of the way, yeah, is blowing my mind. Yeah, it, it, and it's it's been great to see that kind of joy and that because you know. Not too long ago, you know, year, two years ago, I discovered there's a lot more to comics than just the superhero stuff, and now they're discovering it, and to see that through their eyes has been really, really cool, and to see the kind of the breadth of the world that we're involved in, 
uh, has been awesome. Yeah, well, that's what um, I'm talking about. Like, yeah. you know, bringing in people that would have might have never picked up a comic. Yeah, exactly. And I also just quickly mentioned, too, speaking of Lock and Key, and you didn't touch on this news, and I forgot about it until just right now, but Lock and Key, we knew that the movie was coming, mm-hmm. but it's been picked up now, I oh, think, awesome. by Universal. Wow. Awesome. Oh. Ooh, so it's happening. Like, it is. Yeah. Shit is on. <laughs> now, what? So, which one do they do? Where do you, you pull the story I from? I don't know. Wasn't it supposed to be a trilogy? It's supposed to be a trilogy. It, yes, it was. I don't know anymore. I think the Hollywood Reporter has the exclusive on it. If you want to look it up, mm. I just remember seeing it, and I was like, "This is old news." But now I realize it wasn't so much old news as it was the same news, but now they have a studio producing it and putting anyone, it together. Anyone attached to it yet, or? Um, again, I didn't read the article like okay. thoroughly. My friend just was like, "Hey, Steph, did you see this?" Because he really likes like Joe Hill stuff. So, can I just say I Guillermo like, oh. del Toro oh, should direct yeah, yeah, Lock and Key? Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. It's oh. funny. I just pulled out um, volumes one through four today. I'm going to be bringing them with me on my trip to reread them, uh, and I'm going to pick up Clockworks in the next day or so and try to catch up as quickly as possible because the series is amazing. Okay. Well, one of the things I, I would definitely want to talk about is well, two things. One, you know, I'm, I'm one thing I'm very positive about is more of the books I'm reading will be canceled, <laughs> so we can say that right away. So I'll be saving money. So that's a positive thing, and I'll find other things to buy. But really, seriously, that even in some small way, comics are becoming cool mm-hmm. because of the fact there is all this other stuff. There are people coming into this hobby from the outside. Will it ever replicate the numbers we had before? But beyond studios, some of these people who were reading just real books or just watching television shows Mm -hmm. are discovering the joys of serial reading. Mm -hmm. That it's not just, I read a novel and move on. It's every month, there's a new Morning Glories. There's a new saga. Mm -hmm. And it's that sort of continued, I grow with the character, I change with the writer, I follow that writer to somewhere else. It's a different kind of fiction for these people, and it's it's fun to watch new people discover that. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I'm really enjoying in recent years are the films, mm-hmm. comic book films. Yeah. Um, you know, th- the one thing that the comic book films <laughs> have been uh, giving to us, aside from colorful discussions, are <laughs> the idea the idea that. Like I, one of the greatest times that I've had um, hanging out with my mom. I love my mom dearly; she's great. Uh, but we don't get to spend too much time together. But one of the things that we did uh, in the past few months was I went over there, stepfather out of the house, just the two of us hanging out, made some popcorn, grabbed some beers, and we sat down and we watched Avengers. It was—I don't know if it was her first comic-related film, but it was the first time that since we've been doing this that I was like, let me show you what you know what some of the world is that we're dealing with and these heroes that we're talking about all the time Mm -hmm. and she to say that she loved it would be an understatement Mm -hmm. she was talking about it to her friends to me for the next two weeks like she kept asking oh when are we gonna come over i want to watch iron man I want to watch Thor. Like she thought they were hot, so of course she wants to. You know she wants. But you know what? If that's what it takes to get my my, she would kill me. My sixty year old mother to check out more comic book movies. She even asked me for comic books after we watched Avengers, wow. 
and in true Steve fashion, wanted to shake things up. I gave her the underwater the underwater welder <laughs> to crush her Avengers spirit, wow. and she loved it. She cried. She loved it. She called me up in the middle of the night and said, "I need to read more." Mm-hmm. I loved it, and it was wonderful. She actually went out and bought herself a copy. Oh wow! Um, so. I love, you know, good or bad, whether you agree with somebody or you disagree with them, the conversations that uh, happen, and even the the part of meeting somebody who this these films are their way into the comic book world, that they don't have the exposure to the, to the paper or digital books every month uh, that we do, you get to kind of usher them in and school them a little bit because they saw the movie, they liked the movie, and now they're curious. Now they want to know the origin. Like, what are what are some of the... What, did, what didn't I see in the movie? What did they have to skip? What wound up on the cutting room floor? And you get to be kind of like, you know, Professor Comics for, <laughs> for a couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah. And I've never had a conversation with somebody where I've gone into detail with them about a character they were interested in and they were like, oh, well, now that I know everything, then, you know, that's cool. And they mm-hmm. moved on. It's gotten them more interested in the medium and in the character and characters related to them that they ask me where the local shops are. They ask me, when do we record the podcast? It's gotten them involved. Mm-hmm. And like I said, for better or worse, the comic book movies really, really get people that don't have the exposure, don't have the time to dedicate to these comics and to these things that even if they end up picking up one or two titles a month because they just love that character and they don't have the time to invest in a whole bunch of others, I think it's a really, really wonderful and a great, great time for that and yeah. for bringing in people that otherwise would not have had would not have had these experiences mm. with with this medium because a lot of the attitude with it not you know except for the past couple of years has been like oh comic books mm. from some people now they see what they're capable of doing the yeah. money that they're able to make the fact that these charismatic actors and actresses are more than gung ho to become the face of these characters and to sign on mm. for several films that it's got people interested in talking Mm-hmm. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, for, just think about this. For the last two weeks, the thing that most people, you know, on the internet and in a lot of the entertainment culture have been debating about on either side, both very passionately, has been Superman. When is the last time that people talked this much about Superman for this long? You know? 30 years ago? The 30 years yeah. ago. So. If nothing else, like look at how much it's permeated permeated the public consciousness in just about every single way. Well, look, we saw the Avengers together yeah. at the midnight screening. Mm. There were what three groups of Avengers yeah. in the theater walking through the lobby, yeah. and these were kids who may or may not have ever read a comic book, but mm-hmm. they just found their character from those single movies as being so much fun. I'm going to dress like Captain America yeah. and come to the movies. Wow. Yeah. And think of it like the 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 comic book movie that most people have, the, the have, well, have most maligned in the last couple of years has probably been the Green Lantern film. If that film had come out ten years ago, we'd been like, "This is amazing! Look at they did. He actually goes to the other planet. He's got the ring. There are aliens. We would have been yeah. blown away that they did that much and they went that far." It comes out now, and people are like, 
You know, show, show me something. Yeah, show me something. So think of how far we've come. We're not struggling anymore. I remember when Batman Begins came out, and we were we were talking. Oh, I think it was the the Dark Knight came out, and we were talking about which one was better, Batman Begins, the Dark Knight. And uh, our friend Brian, who you know started talking comics with us, said, "Just think about how great it is that we're debating which one of these movies is the most awesome." When before we were deb- trying to find the silver lining in all of the bad stuff in all of these movies, yeah, you know, so it's we've come a really, really long way. Ste- Stephanie, give us something else that you're loving right now. Um, it kind of ties in a bit to um, what I've already said about mm. publishers pushing, uh, you know, other publishers to be bigger and better, but in a sort of different way. Um, and I, I, I've obviously been an advocate of this for a while, but digital comics, um. I mean, not everybody has digital stuff. I know, Bob, you still go out and buy all your comics. And I still mm-hmm. buy comics. And I know, Steve and Bobby, you guys do too. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome to own a physical comic. I was reading a book yesterday. And that new book smell. <laughs> There's ah. nothing like it. It's like opening and up never, an action ever, figure ever, and just taking a big huff. <laughs> I will never get rid of them for good. But digital comics... You know, web comics, Comixology Submit, all those sites, they just, they're getting new artists out there and new writers. And, you know, they're making their own followings for themselves based on their merits of being incredible creators. Mm -hmm. And they're coming into this, you know, industry in which they probably wouldn't have had a shot otherwise because they're making such a name for themselves. And it, it, it... keeps the books fresh and just so great to read because there's new people putting a spin on things all the time. I mean, we've got like Justin Jordan on these books after like Luther Strode and Mm. who else do we have new? I mean, Kelly Sue even, she's not really a digital person, but Mm. you know, there's just all these people that are, the industry is taking risks on because they need to keep up with this ever growing high bar of, talent Mm -hmm. so digital comics i think is another thing that is just so awesome to me and i think i talked about moth city and the thrill bent site too and how they're making these interactive comics and just making the whole experience interesting and like motion comic-y and i just think it's revolutionary and i'm really loving that i'm a part of it to see this transition you know from one medium to the other and yeah, I mean on the on the thrill bent thing coming off of that. I mean one of my favorite things in the world of comics right now is is Mark Wade, you know, and the Ooh, fact that he was on my list. Too. The yeah. guy has been around for you know twenty years, twenty odd years longer, writing the biggest books in the world. But I feel like right now he's become like this beacon for a lot of people and really at the zenith of, of a certain type of comic book writing and a certain way of conducting themselves. Uh, that has become a kind of a model for a lot of people. And the fact that he is both that, which is a, you know, a staunchly, he's staunchly, you know, classic in the way that he writes and and his amazing ability to make each comic be a comic that could be your first book, even though, even if it's number 26 or number 22, I mean, it's the middle of a story arc. You can pick it up and you can find your way through it. But it's also amazing that he's such on the forefront of this new digital age and initiative and trying to come up with new interesting ways to deliver this medium to the most people he possibly can um, is just, you know, is is kind of amazing to me. 
you know, the fact that a book like Daredevil, which it's funny when it's a character, you you know, I always think back and think he's probably gotten short shrift over the years. But you look at the last like 10 or 15 years, especially, and maybe even longer than that. If you go back to uh, when Frank Miller came back on the book after he mm-hmm. was gone for a while. Since then, the run of writers, you see some of the biggest names in comic books. You know, you, you, you have um, Frank Miller and then you have Kevin Smith and, and Joe Quesada. And then you have... You know, then you have Brian Michael Bendis on it for years. You have Ed Brubaker on it. You know, people like that. And now Mark Wade writing this run that is just, you know, it's so fantastic in its simplicity. And something that I look forward to every month more than I look forward to, honestly, than my favorite television show is reading an issue of Daredevil. Uh, and that to me is amazing. Like, I'm, I, I get such joy at the fact that I get that every month. Yeah, so. And he manages to write for every different company, yeah. all sorts of characters, mm-hmm. nails every single one of them, yeah. and without being a museum piece. Yeah. It is not stuck in the past completely. Nope. It's beholden to mm-hmm. it. It reflects the past, yeah. but it is today at the same time, mm-hmm. which does show that you can do that style now. It just needs to be tweaked. Yeah. Can we just Absolutely. move it forward a step or two, yeah. and it all still works, and he's found that... He's in his own. Yeah. To use the sports analogy, he is, he is just <laughs> nailing three pointers left and right. He de- definitely, definitely is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Steve, what what are you loving right now? The community, mm-hmm. the people. <laughs> I love the people. I thought uh, you were going to go into a Herb Morrison, the Hindenburg crashing. Oh, the humanity. <laughs> but okay, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'll try not to gush too much, but it's so nice to have met so many amazing people. And made such great friends. And uh, I know I am not always, I fully admit, I am not always the best at keeping in touch. I'm terrible at responding to emails. I apologize. But uh, through Twitter, through conventions, through Facebook, through the show, just talks through our website, so many amazing, uh, polite, and interesting people. And everybody's got their own story. People have got kids that they're they're raising them on comics. And I mean, I don't know where they find the time to be such great parents and interact with us as much as mm. they do. It's it's amazing. Uh, but yeah, just the, the a lot of the attitudes. I won't say all, but a lot of the attitudes. Everybody's very welcoming. I know that we uh, we talk sometimes about how sometimes there are a couple of subjects in comics where people can feel alienated. Uh, I haven't felt that very much over the past two years. What I've met with are just a lot of people that once they find out that you're interested in the things that they're interested in, whether you have an opposing view or not, they love to talk about it. And I am a person, I mean, you know, this is a show, so you don't get much of it. Outside of talking comics, outside of the show, I am very, very much, I, I live alone. I hang out with myself a lot. I talk to my cat. And, uh, you know, I don't really go out of my way to meet people. I don't go to bars. I don't see as much live music as I used to. A lot of my friends are in the city. And uh, through talking comics and through comics in general, I've been exposed to this entire world and this entire community of people, great, great people. And it's so nice to know that 
my circle of friends has expanded beyond what I ever thought it could be, especially at this age. I'm 32 years old. A lot of people say you stop making friends after a certain time. Uh, if anything, we've proved them grossly wrong mm. in that That's in a that thing? sense. What? Well, yeah. Not making friends after a certain time? Uh, yeah. I'm making heard, good friends. You know? I've heard it from a couple of boring people who happen to live on Long Island. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, they they just say it's all right. Not that you don't. It's hard mm-hmm. to make friends uh, after a certain age. And I just have really, really enjoyed. I mean, I met I met Stephanie. Mm-hmm. I you know Bobby and, and and Bob and Sarah and Lauren and Rob and just all of these and everybody that listens to us and interacts with us. And for good or bad, we have our good days. We agree. We disagree. All of that. I am just very thankful and I love the idea that comics have given me the opportunity to do all these things with all of these people and that my social circle does not stop at my apartment and that I do have an outlet every single day to interact with people and have worthwhile conversations because of comics. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that that's just amazing that they've given that much to me personally in the in just the past two years and we'll be doing this for the foreseeable future mm-hmm. uh who else who knows who else will will come along you know our paths and yeah who else will be and not to mention the the creators as well mm-hmm. meeting a lot of these people getting to interview them talk to them i mean we're in a position where we we get to admire these people's work and then the next week we're mm-hmm. talking to them. Right. We get to ask them questions we want mm-hmm. and we get other people to, to write in and they get to interact with them in a certain way. And it's all very, very rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because, uh, not funny, but, you know, I toiled is the wrong word, but toil is like, the word only word I can think to use. Uh, for about th- over three years uh, doing a show called Fanboy Remix that we did a, a movie Yay! review show. Uh, and Bob toiled for at least a year of that yeah. time uh, with with me, uh, and you know that show barely got. If we broke a hundred listeners, it was an amazing, amazing uh, week. Yeah. And uh, you know we're not going to. I'm not going to speak about specific stats uh, for for this show, but the show blows that show away in that. But more than that, to to get to to talk about this stuff and have people react to what we're saying and talk about it with us. Is kind of amazing after spending all of that time, you know, doing doing that and having a great time doing it, but not getting any feedback except for one guy who lived in England. Uh, Ross. So, Ross Miller. This guy, Ross, Ross Miller. Miller, will give a shout out to the only <laughs> fan by Remix fan that, that's out there. Uh, but it's been amazing. And this week is especially, it's one of those things where, you know, people disagree with you and sometimes you get upset, but I look at it and I go, you know, if we had done, the, if, if we had done this three years ago, We'd have done our review, we just could have said the exact same things, and no one would have given us uh, one little bit of shit about what we were saying, and now, all of a sudden, all of these people care, and that's amazing. And, you know, that comes from comics, it's all because of that, it's all, and to that point, I, I know we get labeled as DC bashers a lot of the time, this podcast would not exist if it wasn't for DC Comics, I'll, I'll say that right now. If DC hadn't done the new 52... Two years ago, this podcast never would have existed. I probably never would have started reading comics again. Uh, so I am in- incredibly thankful that they did that and gave me a way back in to that universe. Uh, so Hallelujah. It, it's absolutely. I mean, it's it's been amazing. Uh, Bob. 
Sure. Uh, just to riff off what you're all saying here, that in the midst of all the things that went on during the week and a lot of other mm. things going back, that I, I have created personal relationships with folks mm. out of nowhere. Yeah. Who in... Well, just, oh, how are you doing today? Now, let, let's talk about stuff. It's like, what's going on? And mm -hmm. as if we're talking over the backyard fence, mm -hmm. and it's across an ocean. It's mm -hmm. across two of them and time zones. And, yeah. And it's with creators and regular folks. Mm -hmm. And it's all about that we do this, which is pretty darned amazing. Yeah. Um, as to another point, I want to say something positive about digital comics. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine? Oh Back down the hatches. <laughs> I, I, I have now actually talked about video games and digital it's books crazy. on the same episode. It's the sign of the apocalypse. No, I think it's the sign of this pale ale, Long Island <laughs> pale ale that I have here that I finished off. Um, but that because of this new thing on the grid that I'm watching it on a laptop, reading on a laptop as opposed to mm -hmm. these devices, but that there are such things as Lady Saber and JL8 and mm -hmm. Kate Beaton's things or whatever, and they're out there, that Marvel will put all their old books, mm -hmm. runs and years worth of books, so that people, as, as a historian, you can go out there and get them mm -hmm. for next to nothing if you have the subscription or right. for a dollar yeah. to look at a book that you couldn't buy the staple from for a dollar. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just amazing. <laughs> and, and, and part and parcel of that, Though DC has sort of curtailed the archive program for mm. the most part, they continue to do those big showcases, which mm. are the black and white, you know, 30 issues at a time. Right. Or they trade paperback versions. Marvel's got archives now up into the middle 70s. Mm -hmm. Their entire history is out there. You can fill your bookshelf. If you want to read The Submariner or Power Man and Iron Fist mm -hmm. or whatever, some of these smaller companies, IDW particularly, those artist editions. Yeah, they're beautiful. Uh, just incredible. They've gone back into old newspaper strips. Titan doing Flash Gordon. Uh, now PS Art Books in London is doing all the old Harvey Horror stuff. They're doing Phantom Ladies. If you want to find something now, it is not the search that I used to have to go through. Go every store, antique shops, uh, junk shops, go into uh, barber shops and see mm -hmm. where there are books hit, hanging in the corner somewhere, farmers markets, flea markets. They're out there. You can just, mm. hell, go on Amazon, mm. but go to a convention, just look around. There are yeah. tons and tons of book dealers. The whole history is out there between electronic and print. Yeah. Couldn't be happier. Yeah, absolutely. Stephanie. I, I was trying to debate on the next one, but um, I'm going to bring it back to what you were talking about uh, as far as DC. I am so far from like DC bashing. I love DC. I mean, there are issues with every publisher. But this is a happy podcast, so we're yes. not going to get into those. And, well, I didn't just start comics with DC. DC set a bar for other comics that, wow, you guys are on issue like 600 and something. That's kind of intimidating for people mm -hmm. who kind of want to, you know, start from scratch. Mm -hmm. And the DC 52, love it or hate it made it so that I could jump onto things like Animal Man and Swamp Thing, mm -hmm. two comics I never would have read had they not rebooted it. Mm -hmm. And admittedly, there's like four or five awesome titles in the DC-52 that still exist, but there are other titles that are maybe not awesome, but are still worth reading. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know if maybe Marvel had this in the works too before, you know, this happened, but... To me, they set a precedent for trying at least to get new fans out there. Mm -hmm. um, and 
I think that's awesome because there's, I mean, like you said earlier with Batman, I feel like I'm here for something revolutionary in the sense that, you know, I'm reading a comic that 50 years from now people are going to be like, did you read Scott Snyder's run? Mm -hmm. And I'm picking that up issue by issue. Right. Yeah. And, you know, whether I have kids or grandkids or something and whether they read comics or not, ideally, hopefully they will. But, you know, it's one of those things where I could be like, oh, I remember picking that up and, mm -hmm. you know, I have the single issues in my long box still. Yeah. And, and I'm like, what is paper? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> hey, you guys can be me in 35 years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But, like, it's, it's just little things that make me happy to be a fan and happy to be a part of this community. And mm -hmm. I like that I can read comics that I wouldn't have been able to know where to begin mm -hmm. before. Yeah. I mean, you know, I had heard the name Gail Simone before we started yeah. doing this, you know, but I never would have read Batgirl if it hadn't been for, for, for the relaunch. And I, I love that book. I love that character. Um, the, the movement, which who knows how long it's going to be around, but uh, it, it, even after two issues, I think it's something pretty great. And I, I can't wait to keep going uh, with that stuff. If it hadn't been for also, if it hadn't been for the new 52 and reading, uh, Actually, Batman and Robin, uh, and getting to know Damien, I wouldn't have gone back and and read all the Grant Morrison stuff. And Grant Morrison has become if, if one of, if not my favorite comic book writer ever now. So that stuff, all that stuff put together, has created a hunger for me to go back and ingest all this older stuff. Uh, and that's been that's been that's been great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, to talk Marvel for just a second, absolutely. We did, did some DC positives that Marvel has managed to you know, relaunch without relaunching to mm. continue to embrace the 70 years of history. Their story still begins with Professor Horton and the Human Torch. Right. Timescale, who knows when that is mm. or when the Fantastic Four flew up into space. Well, find, that's an awfully big bug, by the I way. I know. There's a big bug flying around. I find, uh, I find that thinking about time frames and comic books is just pointless. Just, you know, yeah. That's why I don't like that DC puts like the six years thing on it. I'm just, just leave it alone. Just let me be. Yeah, it is I, what it is. Yeah, I, like the, yeah. I like the floating logic. Well, that was Marvel's whole plan for years. It was a sliding time scale. If you saw the mayor of New York, mm -hmm. just put whoever's face the mayor is now right, in an yeah, old yeah, book yeah, that you yeah, read. Yeah, and it, yeah. Well, so it's Bloomberg. It's not Mayor yeah. Koch. It doesn't yeah. matter. But across their line of books that they have managed to have, even without going into all the genres, which mm -hmm. we, I'd like them to, they vary the tone. Mm -hmm. That there's something for everyone across the line that, oh, here's... Here's humor, here's just straight adventure, here's mm. sci-fi, here are gods, here mm. are monsters. Yeah, It's all there somewhere. You can find a home in amongst all those way too many X and Avengers titles. There are still, even in those, yeah. ways to go. You can yeah. still find a way. You don't have to catch all of them. Just mm -hmm. grab what you need. I mean, in saying that, like, yeah, there are a lot of X-Men titles, but all the X-Men titles I'm reading, I flat out love. You know, I've all new X-Men, Uncanny X-Men, X-Men... I, I love all of those books, and I wouldn't, you know, X-Men's obviously the youngest of all of those mm -hmm. right now, but I, I wouldn't trade those books. You know, Uncanny Avengers, we talked about earlier, which is obviously straddles both of those imprints, but all of those books, I wouldn't I wouldn't give them up for anything. I'm loving them that much, uh, and, and so it's nice to be able to be like, well, I wish they had a different business model, but the fact that these books are so good kind of overrides that a little bit mm -hmm. to me, because I've been loving them so much. Uh, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and uh, Kieran Gillen, I'm, I'm, I, uh, you know, I'm thankful for him getting to know that the journey to mystery arc and run he had is fantastic. 
uh, emotionally affecting, crazy take on, on, on a character that never really had any emotional context before. Now is given a ton of emotional context, and what he's doing in Young Avengers has, has been fantastic so far. So very thankful for that. Steve? Let's see. What did I do? I uh, got a couple of... Uh I'm sorry. The momentum's like. You were very, you were very ready for me to ask you that question. No, I was not. Well, it's just, it's just weird because I before we did this, uh, before we did this podcast, I wrote down a list of books that bring me joy, mm-hmm. so to speak. Things that I read to make me happy. All right. Um, I'll just rattle off a couple of titles. Obviously, we talked about it a little bit earlier. My Little Pony again. Mm-hmm. Uh, JL8. Absolutely, just brings a smile to my face. Uh, I say it up and down. Hickman, Fantastic Four, all of that. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to Lenore from Roman Dirge. Uh, still, it comes out every couple of months, four, five, six, however long it is. But whenever an issue comes out, I laugh my ass off. It awakens that like long put to sleep part of me that before we started doing this. The one of the few comics that I did keep up with was Lenore. It was mm-hmm. my way of reading comics when I was not reading comics. Uh, always brings a smile on my face. You just mentioned Journey into Mystery. Uh, I will fight tooth and nail for. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Catherine Amonin's series has been canceled. It's gone. It's gone. Uh, I will love it to every last hilarious, colorful page. It's been wonderful between Karen Gillan's run and her run, uh, both I I have loved. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just want to give a a quick single-issue shout-out for... I've read this three times now, and uh, Hickman's new run of Avengers, Avengers number 11, is probably when we do the end of the year list gonna like single issue list is gonna make my my list for one of my comics of the year this is the one where uh the avengers go to uh the casino to find out why everybody's there's an item up for bid and they all meet at this casino this comic has got everything it's got everybody cutting loose it's got everybody dressed up to the nines and there's uh, there's a moment where one of these characters becomes weaponized, and it's such a fitting homage to to Bruce Lee and to to so many kung fu movies of old that even on the third time that I'm reading it, when it's nunchucks, obviously <laughs> they're electrified. That when that that panel of that nunchuck dropping from his hand and be, and coming to life with electricity, I. Like leap out of my seat, I get all giddy, and I'm like, "Yeah!" <laughs> like it, it's just it's so great. You got the the aim guys that they come down and they're they're doing craps and whatnot, and they're all around the table, and everybody's about to throw down, and then one of them is like, "Yo, man, this is everybody's night off. Don't you just kind of want to relax?" And you got the one stiff guy. Oh, this is what we're about. This is what we do. And everybody, <laughs> hey. Shut up! <laughs> you know, I wanna, I, I wanna gamble. I wanna yeah. go and drink, and it's just madness for the rest of the issue. Uh, still underlying plot underneath, but it is so much fun and so jokey, and just a, a wonderful, wonderful issue. Uh, if nobody's read it, it's actually could stand on its own as just one of those fun, fun things. And the last one that I'll mention uh, that I was introduced to early this year is a web comic called XKCD, which is very much a um, 
like a scientist comic kind of thing. Deals with philosophy, deals with uh, world issues, science things, comic things, and all of this. And one of the comics that I was shown that was very apropos to everything going on in this past week was some guy. He's It's all stick figures, and he's sitting at his computer, and his girlfriend is asking him to come to bed. And you see the clock on the wall, and it's like 3 a.m. She's like, what could you possibly be doing up at this night on the computer? And he goes, I can't come to bed right now, honey, because somebody on the internet is wrong. <laughs> and I laughed my ass off. <laughs> I laughed my ass off. I printed it out. I put it up on my refrigerator. That's awesome. It was great. That's awesome. That's so, a keeper. All right. Yeah, those are a couple of things that, I'm, that I enjoy right now that are out. And then, you know, I mentioned a bunch of titles earlier. But uh, just the influx of entertainment, the, the, the joy that we extract mm-hmm. from these books. And there are people, it's rarer, it's fewer and fewer these days, but there are still people that I come across that when I say that we work with comics, that you got the eyebrow raised mm-hmm. or the, the snicker. And they just they they still don't get it. They still don't know how powerful these books are and how much they've grown over the past few years. And uh, it's just fun to to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, let's do one more thing, Bob. Any, Portland. Sh- Portland. I'm very happy about Portland. <laughs> and not because there's a convention there. It is apparently the new center of comic book creativity. Mm-hmm. It is. It's like comic book mecca. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Hipster mecca and comic book mecca. <laughs> so Scarves and that, comics. Right, <laughs> that they're still there, and it's it's Matt Fraction and Kelly Sue, and it's Greg Rucka and Mike Allred yeah. and Brian Michael Bendis. Brian Michael is out Bendis, there. yeah. And it's just this gigantic little. You know, it's it's Williamsburg West, maybe. Yeah. I mean, to use our, our local <laughs> yeah. hipster hangout. Uh, so just let's hope there's you know Mount St. Helens or something doesn't erupt out there and take out Portland because we really need you folks out there. So thank you all very much. Absolutely. And Stephanie, why don't you close us out? Give us one more thing that you love about comics right now. Oh, well, he, um, I don't even know. You sound like me. <laughs> I know. I, I sat here thinking about it and I kind of like spaced out for a moment just listening to you guys, like just... So passionately. I don't know what that says. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean it in a bad, not like zoned out, but just kind of was like... Absurd. Zoned in on what we were there saying. There you go. Thank you, Bobby. You're welcome. Um, Hanging on every word. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But I think it's sort of the same thing Steve said earlier as far as like the community goes. I've mm. met so many great people in this industry and, you know, I love having discussions on Twitter, on Facebook, on... My email, and that shows with complete strangers, and it doesn't feel like I'm talking to complete strangers because we have so many things in common, and it's just comfortable. I mean, it, it's such a unique experience that you can't really get at any other thing. Like, I feel like even talking to somebody at a bus stop nowadays is kind of like, oh, person. <laughs> you like go to a convention, and you know what to expect in the like. Not a lot of people all talk to each other, but people meet each other, sort of, on Twitter. And, you know, I lived in the middle of nowhere for a really long time. That's how I met Steve. And some of your internet friends become more your friend than any other person in your life. And maybe that's weird to some people, but I think it's rad. 
<laughs> and I think that you, it's really cool that someone on the opposite end of the world can love, I don't know, freaking Saga. <laughs> and I can talk to them for like a week about it mm -hmm. and never feel like this is a complete stranger. So, yeah. That. Mm. Absolutely. Well Absolutely. So, uh, thank you uh, so much to Jake for writing in uh, that question and, and that response to our post. There was a lot of other posts. I want to remember a quick some uh, as a, uh, kind of our listener question section here, and then we're going to mm -hmm. get to the books that are on the shelves right now. So this first mm -hmm. one is from uh, David Spear, and he says, A couple weeks ago I asked what you guys thought about ordering comics online. Certain online comic stores offer 50% off on comics. Could these online comic distributors have a negative effect upon local comic shops? I'd like to hear the Talking Comics gang take on the importance of shop loyalty. What will the future hold for comic book stores? Will they go extinct, or will they always be in need for that sense of community, which can be achieved through the interaction with actual human beings in person? There you go, man. Uh, Bob. I'm a retailer. I think you need stores at a certain point. Mm. It is the difference between reading a book and reading a book by going to the index, right. looking up something and popping back and forth. Mm. There's no serendipity to looking at an online order form and clicking off boxes. Mm -hmm. Going to a store, hearing people chat with passion as we do here while you're standing in the store, and there it is for you. That moment of, I'm going to try that because you say this is good, and I just look through three pages. I'm trying that. Will it be reduced? Yes. I think mm -hmm. as more and more people get their things digitally, yes. But there's, there should always be a place, even if there isn't always going to be, there should always be a place for that community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And one of those things, you know, in kind of doing this, uh, uh, going to a shop and having a, a, a place in kind of the community there and the community of, you know, the local economy of what's going on and helping a local business is awesome. Uh, that being said, I, I, I don't think that, listen... I, I, online re uh, buying comic books can get expensive. We talked about this many, many times, and there are a lot of expensive books. And if there are books that you can you can wait for, and you but you still want to buy them at least semi regularly, ordering them online, getting fifty percent off, you know, a Marvel book that's four dollars that can really help your pull list. And you're buying more books, you know, and you're you're feeding into industry anyway. They're books you wouldn't be buying in, in any other matter. So, I I, I think. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to do that. Uh, I do think you're missing something not going to the shop. I, I don't think you're going to hurt the shop because if you're probably buying the books online like that, you probably either never would have gone to the shop or you, you, you're past the point where you want to do that anymore. Um, but I do think you're missing something if you can find a good shop and the interaction you get with people and the recommendations you get from people. Uh, and like Bob said, the ability to, you just, you happen upon something and you decide I'm going to take this home and I'm going to read it. And it ends up being, you end up discovering a, a character that you love or a creator that you mm -hmm. love or something that goes away when you're just picking stuff out online. Cause there's not a lot of, there's no one there helping you out. So I, do I think shops are going to go away? Um, I, I think probably eventually the dedicated comic book shop is probably going to go away. I think it's just too hard to keep up that business model unless it's seriously scaled down and they uh, um, and you manage to come up with some other kind of ancillary way to make money. I just think in general, physical forms of media are going away slowly for good or for ill. Uh, comic books are a little, only, only a little different only because they, and I think uh, it was Matt Fraction who talked about this, they're pieces of art that you're buying. 
So there's a different tactile sense to actual physical media there because it's not just words on a page. There's it's something you're seeing. So I think that could change, but that is because we still have a we have a connection to paper, and I think our kids and especially kids after that, they're not they're not going to even think of it that way. So who knows? Who knows? Um, so that's what I think hmm. about it. Hmm. Um, but thank you uh, very much for writing in with that question. Uh, we did have a, que- uh, a question on Twitter. Uh, this one was this is from Cody. It says, uh, wish list for Marvel Phase 3 and forward. Just a fanboy, fangirl wish list of characters or films you'd love to see. Bob, why don't you start no, us we out? We did the whole Doctor Strange thing. Yes. I want to see a Captain Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. I want to see Carol Danvers in a movie fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would, that, would, that would be pretty amazing. I mean, I, I really want to see something like Black Panther. Yeah, I think that would be a, a really great thing to do. I think they're definitely going to do it. I, don't, I think it's just a question of uh, when, not a question of if. Um, and I'd love to see something in Namor, too. I think that would be a pretty a pretty cool thing to see. Stephanie, what about you? Well, on that spectrum, I, speaking of Namor, I think an Aquaman movie would be pretty Mar- cool. It's Marvel yeah. movies, though, Stephanie. Oh, wait, did you say DC? No, I no. said Marvel. <laughs> wait, what, 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 what? I said, um, wish list for Marvel Phase 3 and forward was oh, the question. Oh, sorry. I didn't hear the last bit of it. I was too busy trying to... Not, too busy yeah. not paying attention to us. Well, I was trying to figure out when I could get in my little bit about the retailer. but Oh, sorry, no. Me, so. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was just being snarky. But, um, I don't know. You know I can't me. see your face, right? So if you have to respond. You have to chime in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have something that you want to say about the retailer thing? No. Okay. So there <laughs> Not you go. Anymore. Well, I did. I did. But well, go we'll ahead. Say it. Go ahead. No. Anyways, so Marvel <laughs> phase. I don't know. You guys are more of the Marvel guys than I am. You don't I'm know not like. I mean, I like Marvel, but Marvel characters, Stephanie. Yeah, I know, but it's like. I mean, Captain Marvel would be cool. I agree with Bob on that. I don't mm. know who else I'd like to see outside of that kind of thing. Okay. Cool. Mm. Luke Steve, Cage. What about you? Luke Gambit. Cage, ah, yeah. just kidding. That's owned by Fox. <laughs> Awesome. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I want my Fantastic Four movie. That's uh, that's also owned by Fox. Yeah, but aren't they? No. Look, it's no. a Marvel. No, they no. talk about Marvel Phase Three means in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't know who owns who. I can't keep track of if that it's stuff. Nothing in X Men, Fantastic Four, or Spider Man. Those are the three things you can't talk about. Can I have a runaway a Runaways movie? There you go. Yeah, that's what I want. Absolutely. I want a Runaways. I want a good Runaways movie. Mm-hmm. And because, uh, oh God, for so many reasons, I want that movie. Uh, who else would I? I think the Black Panther idea is awesome. That would be great. Uh, and Captain Marvel as well. Uh, who else would be? I mean, I'd love to see them do a, them do a Daredevil movie. I want another Daredevil movie. I want a Mark Wade, Chris Samney style uh, mm-hmm. Daredevil movie. Uh and in that too, we talked about this a little bit, but I like to see the Punisher kind of threaded into the the larger universe. Maybe not necessarily get his own movie because I think he's a tough character to portray in the way that he is in a movie because he has no arc. Frank doesn't have an arc. Frank doesn't change. Frank is Frank Castle. That's who he mm-hmm. is. That's part of the reason people love that character. So when you try to give him, you know, like in, in that first movie, they try to give him like, oh, he loves the people that he lives with kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, maybe he, you know, he has... He'll protect them the way you protect anybody because he doesn't want innocents getting killed, but he's not going to 
you know, fall in love sure. with them. He, he He's dead inside. That's the point of Frank. So giving him a, a context in a larger universe, I think, could be very, very interesting. To, to I'd, see that. I'd like to see a World War II Captain America, Human Torch, Submariner, Invaders. Mm-hmm. I mean, throw Nazi oh, submarines oh. hundreds of feet and just crush armies and just what the Avengers was, but set that back into World War II with the beginnings yeah. of those characters. How about, can I say the Inhumans? Yes, you can yeah. say the Inhumans. That I would like to see. That would be a pretty cool thing. Yes. That'd be pretty, pretty awesome. Um, they could probably do most of the Future Foundation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. in the FF book right now. Uh, that might be the reason why they did that book the way they did it. There you go. Future um, Foundation. Yeah. but Because uh, I don't think any of those characters are included in the the rights. No. Because they're not no. in the fir- that first group of, of books that they kind of bought from them. But um, anyhow, uh, so those are the couple questions we're... we're, we're Getting to the point where we're, we're hitting the two-hour mark, so we're going to we're going to elaborate the questions. But we got so many more, and we're definitely going to hit them over the next couple of weeks. Just so you guys know, uh, next week we got a regular show for you guys. Um, but after that, uh, I am going away for two weeks on business, um, and so we're going to be. You're going to have shows to listen to. They're just going to be a little bit different than usual. Um, we're going to try something out with a stage reading of a comic book. Uh, so we're going to try that out for you guys and we're going to kind of do a, a, a more amalgam show, a, a grouping of stuff. Uh, we're, we're, we're probably going to sit down with Bob and we're going to do a little oral history of the Fantastic Four. It'll be kind of cool. We're going to try to secure a couple interviews for you guys. Maybe do some uh, segment with us where you kind of off the wall books and maybe we answer uh, some of your, more of your questions. So you guys will definitely get shows. They're just going to be a little bit different, a little less uh, time sensitive stuff uh, for a couple weeks. But next week again, show as regular the next weeks after that will be a little bit a little bit different leonardo we may get to your question one of these days we may get to it (laughs) absolutely um but thank you guys so much for writing and we got a huge response we are stocking these questions away and we will be asking them and answering them i i guarantee you guys that um but we're going to talk about what's on the shelves right now but before we get there Bob, we had had a special listener announcement. Yes, let me just send my congratulations for all our Talking Comics family to Logan Rowland, Mm -hmm. who this week uh, became engaged to his fiancée, JC. And the way he did it was he created his own comic book called Kitten Comics, featuring Action Cat. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Where (laughs) the last page was him proposing marriage. That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, so it was very, very well done. Great camera angles and all sorts of real cool expression uh, in, in his artwork. The faces just really, really well done. So our congratulations to him, and uh, we'll shout out to his brother Jonah too because he listens to us as well. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Congratulations, man. Congratulations, Logan. Uh, so let's talk about what's on the shelves right now. From Arkea Entertainment, we have Mouse Guard Legends of the Guard Volume Two, Number One. Uh, from Aspen Comics, we have Executive Assistant Assassins, number 12, Fathom the Elite Saga, number 2, and Journey, number 3. From Avatar Press, we have Crossed Badlands, number 31. From Boom Studios, Adventure Time, number 17, Peanuts, number 9, Regular Show, number 2, Steed and Mrs. Peel, number 9. Um, from Dark Horse Comics, we have Akinero, number 2 of 3, yes. Amala's Blade, number 3 of 4, Angel and Faith, number 23, BPRD Vampire number four, Ooh. 
We've got King Conan, The Hour of the Dragon, number two of six. Last of Us, American Dreams, number three of four. Massive, number 13. My Management, number 12. Yes. Uh, Star Wars Legacy, volume two, number four. From DC Comics, we have Adventures of Superman, number two. All-Star Western, number 21. Aquaman, number 21. Arrow, number eight. Batman Superman, number one. Batman the Dark Knight, number 21. We've got Catwoman, number 21. Django Unchained, number five of seven. Flash, number 21. Green Team, Teen Trillionaires, number two. Sweet. We've got He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, number three. And Justice Gods Among Us, number six. Justice League, number 21. Justice League Dark, number 21. And Justice League of America, number five. Whoa. Larflees, number one. We've got Red Lanterns, number 21. Superman, number 21. Talon, number nine. Teen Titans, number 21. Unwritten, number 50. And Wake, number two. From Dynamite Entertainment, we've got Battlestar Galactica, number two. We've got Masks, number eight of eight. Last one. We've got Red Sonia, number 77. Red Sonia Unchained, number three. Uncanny, number one. Vampirella, number 30. Um, let's see. From IDW, we have Doctor Who, Prisoners of Time, number six. Ghostbusters, number five. Godzilla, Rulers of Earth, number one. We've got Judge Dredd, number eight. Kiss Solo, number four. Star Trek, number 22. Mars Attacks Classics Obliterated, which is a one-shot. We've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 23. We've got True Blood, number 14. And Vitriol the Hunter, number 5. From Image Comics, we have Bounce, number 2. We've got Clone, number 8. Elephant Men, number 49. Fatal, number 15. Five Ghosts, The Haunting of Fabian Gray, number 4 of 5. We've got Hoax Hunters Case Files, number 1. Jupiter's Legacy, number 2. Lazarus, number one. Yeah. Morning Glories, number 28. Oh, my God. Prophet, number 36. Sex, number four. Think Tank, number eight. Uh, from Marvel Comics, Age of Ultron, number 10 AI. All New X-Men, number 13. Avengers Arena, number 11. Captain America, number eight. Daredevil, number 27. Deadpool, number 12. FF, number eight. Fury Max, number 13. Gambit, number 14. Guardians of the Galaxy, number four. Hawkeye. Number 11, which is the pizza, pizza dog, dog issue. Pizza dog. Journey into Mystery, number 653. Nova, number 5. Powers Bureau, number 5. Scarlet Spider, number 18. Secret Avengers, number 5. We've got Ultimate Comics, X-Men, number 28. Uncanny X-Force, number 7. Uncanny X-Men, number 7. Ugh. Wolverine, number 5. Wolverine the X-Men, number 32. X-Men, number 2. And Young Avengers, number 6. Um... <laughs> From Valiant Entertainment, we have Exo Man of War, number 14. And from Zenoscope, we have Grim Fairy Tales Annual, 2013. Grim Fairy Tales, number 36. Wonderland, number 12. And Wonderland Down the Rabbit Hole, number 2. Man, this week's a killer. Week is a killer. Shit. Um, so, that is what's on the shelves this week. Again, guys, uh, at Talking Comics on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics, TalkingComics.com is the website, and info at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email address where you can send all your listener questions, um, comments, everything. Uh, Please visit the site, comment. Uh, We've got columns, reviews, videos, uh, this podcast, so please (laughs) uh, get on there, and obviously we'll interact with you and interact with other people in the community, which which is is pretty fun. my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve's, 
I am at dead underscore anchorus. Stephanie? I'm at hello cookie. And Bob? And Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. So, once again, guys, uh, stay tuned after the after the final ending credits song, because we're going to talk spoilers about Age of Ultron. Stephanie will step away since she has not read it. Uh, but other than that, that is it for Talking Comics. So, for Steve. Viva la comics! Bob. Good night. And Stephanie. Scribbly scrabbly. I have been Bobby. <laughs> Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. Right, so is everybody gone who doesn't want to be here anymore? We're going to talk Age of Ultron. We kick Stephanie the hell out of here. Uh, Should I go too? No, you've read it. She went to yeah. go do battles with uh, spiders in a yeah. room. Um, and scribbly, scrabbly things. Yeah. So we talked a little bit before our general impressions of the book uh, and what we thought about that, but we didn't really get into what happened. And we told you what we thought of what happened, but we didn't tell you what happened and get into more detail about it. So for those of you who have read the book, you know that at the end of Age of Ultron, Basically what happens is because of all of the messing with the time stream, which is stuff we talked about on the show today, it's finally started to unravel that everything they've done, everything they've changed has started to pull apart kind of the fabric of their universes. And this Ultron thing, especially because they, they drastically changed the world two times over in the, in a short, very short amount of time. Uh, So at the end, obviously we have this kind of very crisis on infinite earths, infinite crisis type, you know, fourth wall breaking, universe breaking apart into glass, where we see different narrations of all these characters and, and different universes of these characters exist and all kind of flying at us and, and melding together. And that's why Angela makes her way in. That's their excuse for Angela coming from the Spawn universe into the Marvel universe because all of these things have rippled out. Uh, Steve, you were kind of chumming in the bit to talk about it when we couldn't talk about spoilers. Right. So lay it on us. Your, your, your thoughts, your questions, your concerns. What do you got? Okay, well... First and foremost, I'm sticking to my statement that the jury is still out. My personal jury is still Mm -hmm. out on this whole thing because I feel that this is only the beginning of the end and we have yet to have all of the pieces as to how this is going to play out into other things. Mm -hmm. However, the initial reveal of the shattering of of the universes... uh, I thought as far as issue 10, I thought that visually it did it well. Uh, I don't think that it was, I don't think there was enough there to explain to people exactly what was happening within those pages. And I felt that the issue fell short in that way to give people what they needed to know exactly. We had someone, uh, I believe it was Cody, who asked us, could you please explain to me what happened um and the truth of the matter is i i still don't know i mean Mm -hmm. i know but i don't like i said i don't have all the pieces um for me i was talking to bob about this a couple of days ago uh i'm very excited about what this could mean 
for the universe. Uh, Bob was telling me it, it's, and, I, and a lot of people have to, have said this. It's been done before. Mm. They've done this whole thing where they've messed with the universes and so on and so forth. Uh, we get a very very interesting, and uh, I'll let I'll let Bob swing in on this. But we get a page where you know all hell is breaking loose, and Miles Morales, who's off in the Ultimate Universe, he's swinging along, and we actually we're back in a moment that we've already seen earlier in the series, mm-hmm. and now that moment is changed. Mm-hmm. He loses his webbing. He falls onto a rooftop, and he's like, well, "What the hell happened?" I was Spider Man. I was just getting the knack of it, and then right in front of his face is Galactus standing there. The real Galactus. The real yeah, Galactus. Yeah. The the six one six universe Galactus. Yes. Right. So now you have. I mean, you're talking about universes. You're talking about Angela coming in from you know uh, an image property. Mm. You're talking about uh, ultimate characters or ultimate universe now broken um and i know that this is going to steer away from what i was originally going to mm-hmm. say but are we now are we now breaking down the walls of the universes uh, is the ultimate universe going to merge with the marvel universe and are we going to see from here on out or over the next maybe till the end of the year a more um unified universe where things aren't going to be happening multiple storylines at once. I The one thing that I did really love about this ending was it touched on the idea of, you were mentioned, I didn't read it for myself, but you mentioned the whole sit down, the dinner with Doom mm-hmm. in New Avengers. I have yet to read it. But the idea of how on the podcast, we're always talking about how there are so many X books, there are so many Avengers books, right. and Wolverine is here, there, and everywhere. Mm-hmm. How can someone like Reed Richards, how can you be off on this cosmic, you know, vacation with your family and be stuck in the negative zone, mm. be, be at death's door, yet you're running around with the new Avengers dealing with stuff here? You're supposed to be gone. How is it that you're existing in both places at the same time? Mm. How is Wolverine, the, headma- the headmaster of a school... And he's also off in the Savage Land with Sheena, and he's doing all these things, mm. Wolverine and the X-Men. How is that happening? And you find out that because the X-Men and the Avengers and everybody basically in the Marvel Universe is so dismissive when it comes to... Like, we saw it with Beast. Uh, I know I'm all over the place. I apologize. But we saw it with Beast at the beginning of all new X-Men where even he knowing Hank, knowing the consequences of his actions, he did it anyway. Yeah. You know, and we're seeing those consequences and we're, we're maybe going to have an answer as to how all of this stuff has happened. Um, well, I, I don't, I don't think you're gonna get that answer. I don't think you're gonna get the answer. Of well, that Wolver- sucks. Wolverine's okay. in eight <laughs> books. Cause they're not, th- that's just cause Wolverine sells books. That's the reason why he's in eight yeah, books. That's the easy answer. It's yeah, comics. yeah. 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 It's comics. So I wouldn't think too much into that area. Right. But if, but Bob, you were saying it's been done before. Right. Yeah. Well, well, to yeah. me, the, to riff on some of what Steve's mm-hmm. saying here and then get to that yeah. point too, where you're really at is we're now, if that's what we're trying to do, we're explaining something that doesn't need to be explained except to say that it's comics. Mm-hmm. Stanley, Roy Thomas, Julie Schwartz in the old days would write, this happens between issues, so-and-so yeah, yeah. and so-and-so, and just live with it. Yeah. You, well, you want to tell, yeah. tell fun stories without getting into too much of this, but I really think we are 
going to have some explanation of that. And that gets a little too meta. We're getting into a place where the 616 Marvel Earth is now the post-crisis on Infinite Earth's DC universe mm. with everything mushed together. And we're not going to know for five or ten years, perhaps, what mess this makes of things that someone else has to explain with yeah. Crisis 2, 3, mm. 4. As I said before, Marvel's universe was always, it starts with the torch, it all gets slid forward, mm -hmm. however you want to. Those, the World War II characters existed then, but not Reed and Ben mm -hmm. during World War II. They fought in the Gulf War. Who cares when they... Yeah. They were friends for years. Yeah. Leave it at that. To, to, those four pages, are it's a really great, wonderful visual representation of the histories of these characters. Yeah. We're going to bring Kill Raven... And the Martians and the War of the Worlds and the Old Guardian and the thing as Blackbeard the Pirate mm -hmm. and stick them all back together again, Wolverine in five different outfits. Yeah. I don't know that this doesn't drive some people away from this in mm -hmm. the way that DC thought it was driving their readers away then. Right. We're not going to know for a while. I, maybe they change it as they go. Maybe they see mm -hmm. how people react. Yeah. It's going to be a fun ride one way or the other. Yeah. I mean, I think, the, I think that ending is non-committal in that way because they don't really show you any sort of... They show you hints of far-reaching consequences. But in, in, except for Galactus showing up in the Ultimate Universe and Angela showing up in ours, we don't get any like solid representation of how things are changing. Um, I... Look, I, I think part of this is definitely a business decision in, in the fact that I think they're kind of looking to to get rid of most of the ultimate line of the books. I, I think that Absolutely. they've stopped selling very well, and that universe has become even more difficult to get into than the prime Marvel universe at this point. It's weighed under so much continuity now that they got to do something. And so it's not the regular continuity that people were following or the movies are kind of even yeah, following. Yeah. So where are you at? It's in some want... weird middle ground. But like Miles Morales, there are some really good characters that exist in that universe. So you can't just, they're not going to get rid of it wholesale because they want to be able to take the good stuff and call the bad stuff out. Um, Have Galactus eat it. Simple. Exactly. And this is Josh, Joshua Helfi Alcoff yeah. is writing this miniseries called Hunger. That, that, that this is what it, it's based around. Uh, if that was the thing about it. The thing about it was the non-committal. I'm not really sure what's happening. Nature of that ending was the part that that I didn't like. Uh, well, I'm still confused. So, <clears throat> well, I don't think it's fully clear what's happening yet. I think that I, I think it's still kind of up in the air. My other problem with the book is just that because of the schizophrenic nature of this storyline, where we started out as one thing, as this post-apocalyptic, it's the end of the world, all hope is lost. How are we going to change it to this kind of entertaining but seemingly pointless trip into alternate universe mm -hmm. which was a cool alternate universe i like seeing it it was fun to read but in the end it was a couple issues of that for what reason to prove to logan that keeping ultron keep killing hank pym was worse than keeping him alive <clears throat> which is a fine lesson to learn but it felt to me like a lesson that maybe Logan should have already known. Well, he, does, he does already know about time travel because of Days of Future Past. Right, exactly. He can't change your own timeline. It's a lesson he knew before. Right. So why even go there yeah. with, with him as a character yeah. and then drag Sue into it right. who would not do yeah. or participate in the things they having her do. Right. So th that stuff felt like a kind of uh, a weird timeline. And so the point where we get the last battle with Ultron... It's a it's a well staged battle and it's a lot of fun. I I, I like the idea. It's kind of like this. 
Independence Day, like, you know, uploading the code and, mm-hmm. and, you know, just survive until we can get this virus uploaded kind of thing, which I liked. It was clever. Again, I really love that Hank Pym has a big part to do with it. Uh, but because we've been away from Ultron for so long, it's it feels weird to me. It feels like an afterthought, which is an odd thing to say when the book is called Age of Ultron, but it felt very strange. I, and also, I think it's... I'm I'm not sure if this is true or not, but if you haven't read Avengers 12.1, it's a little bit of a weird thing because that's really takes a lot of the events from that book that he wrote years ago, almost three years ago, I think over three years ago now, uh, that was supposed to be leading to this a while ago, and it just took so long to put together that it came out now. Uh, so you get a weird, like, you know, this is before, so Miss Captain Ms. Marvel, Marvel is Ms. Yeah. Marvel because that's the way she was when back when he was writing the Avengers, so it's a weird kind of thing going on there. What would, uh, what would your feeling have been if this had come out when it was intended and this was the relaunch of Marvel Now? That would have been, I think that would have been a perfect story reason to do Marvel Now. It keeps this stuff alive, but it, it gives you a reason to change teams. It gives you, uh, even though I love Marvel Now anyway, but it gives you a reason to change teams. It gives you a way to change up stories and kind of get a little going jazzed. And maybe that was their their kind of thinking when they first started developing it. But it comes now and... I still think it could lead to interesting stories. You know, I don't necessarily think the crisis stuff on the DC side was bad. You know, I think it can get a little bit wonky, but I think folding those universes and now that we have superior Spider-Man and he's going to stay Doc Ock for a while, it might be cool to get good Spider-Man, like pure good Spider-Man into the 616 and have Miles kind of be the counterpoint. You know, we see a shot of... Uh, 2099 in that breaking mm-hmm. up thing. So yeah. is that is Doom that the way is there, they Spidey's there? Yeah, now. is that the way they bring him into the into the modern continuity? So it has potential, I think, to be very cool. I just think as the end to this event, it's not satisfying because it doesn't really close anything off. It just opens up a bunch of questions. Yep. For all the game changer things we had heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember hearing it on a show. We yeah. Had <laughs> it's gonna uh, be a game changer. It. it, it there isn't a lot of that happening. No, there's not. And so it's it's a little bit of a cheat if you spent thirty, forty dollars, yeah. fifty, sixty with mm-hmm. tie-ins, some of which were good, yeah, some were not. Mm-hmm. To get to oh, we brought Angela with a giant monster head from the Kirby sixties <laughs> yeah. flying through space, yeah, and and the Galactus image is wonderful. Mm, it is, but you could have just without going through all this, just put Miles here and just said, well, yeah. that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. simply and in, in, in an issue or two. Mm. What happened with DC when they did it? They discovered eventually that the story possibilities that they had with Earth two, three, whatever they mm. did, were so much lessened by mushing all the histories together yeah. that they then spent a long time. It's a snake eating its own tail. Eventually, mm-hmm. well, how do we fix what we fixed? Yeah, yeah. And that we're not going to know for years. And yeah. another set of creators, probably ten years, fifteen years from now. Yeah. The only reason I say I. I it's a little bit different is only because I feel like the ultimate universe, even though they have a lot of different stories, obviously all the characters are very much just slightly tweaked versions of their six one six anyway. So instead, except for special cases like miles, you don't have drastic differences. And if you keep miles around, you know, you can still do that. Those stories with him. Okay. If we lose the ultimates, it doesn't matter much. Yeah. I haven't read any of those in years. So. Right. I mean, this isn't. We're not talking about the Mark Millar, Brian Hitch stuff anymore. That's lighting the world on fire. Yeah. Like, I mean, the Fialkov just took off that book. He might turn into something really nice, but they haven't been selling well or been relevant in a while. So to bring them over, I, and maybe not even bring them over, maybe just kind of mush them back in and whatever. 
we'll have to see. Maybe they're not going to do that. Maybe they're just going to they're going to reset the Ultimate Universe, which will be cool. I mean, you you get another mm-hmm. in for people to start reading books, and it's they can do whatever they want again. But the Ultimate Universe has become so weighed down that it's no longer that place where they can tell interesting, cool stories, except for what they're doing what Bennis did with the Spider-Man stuff. I mean, that stuff is great and a total breath of fresh air. So, I mean, for me, I think it's solid, but I think disappointing ending to a what is built up to be a giant change in the universe. Well, I saw someone online commenting that all the, uh, not to bash Mr. Bendis, but he he's run the big events, mm-hmm. started great guns, right? interesting middles, and they all sort of petered out because they had to then tell the next story. Right. So you can't have a satisfying conclusion if you're moving forward right. past that. Yeah, and that's the one reason that I always tend to, event-wise, like the DC stuff better because it always feels like at least they close off their story in that, in that, in that event. But that's the problem with Marvel events, you know? At least this one didn't really pull all those books into its wake the way obviously Infinity is going to in a couple of months, um, but we'll see what happens with that as well. I, I, I think the potential. Listen, if they write Angela cool and Neil Gaiman's going to be writing her in, in Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah, sure, I'll take a cool yeah. character. Doesn't matter. Like I don't care where she's from. Mm. So we'll learn exactly. Yeah. So they have a badass female villain. Bring it on, you know, or anti-hero or whatever she is because I don't even know. Cool, <laughs> but you know, for that reveal. I think it's the one time that I agree with them doing what they did a couple months ago because I wouldn't have known who she was if it hadn't been for that. And I'm sure a lot of people would have, but I would have just yeah. been lost. So I would have been on Wikipedia immediately after. And like, who the hell is this woman that showed up in, in Age of Ultra number 10? So Who's that head, by the way? I have no don't idea. Look, it's no it's idea. Moomba it's like her spaceship or something. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's the world's biggest purse. Yeah. <laughs> giant monster head purse. Um, so that's what I thought of Age of Ultra 10. Do you want to add anything, Steve? No. Okay, cool. Uh, the thing I'm most excited about, though, it seems like Hank Pym's going to be a player again, a pretty major player. He's got that AI book he's going to be in now. Um, so I am excited to see where all of that stuff goes. Now we do have Jan back, too. We so do. You never know. So I'm looking forward to, for one of the very few times in his history, him having a substantial good storyline to deal with, where he's not like an idiot. <laughs> That goes back a little. He's I know. been an idiot for a very, very long time. I know. Time, I'm looking sadly. forward to hopefully seeing him not be an idiot. But that's what we thought of Age of Ultron number 10. Write into us, guys. Let us know what you, th- what you thought um, about Age of Ultron. But until we see you guys next week, that is it for Talking Comics. <laughs>